Hello everyone, welcome to another beautiful episode of the Hooray for Jose podcast. And for today's guest, we have Mr. Rav Holly. What's up? Uh, so, uh, pretty much you're a photographer, right? That is what I claim to be. <laughs> How long have you uh, been doing that for? Uh, I've been doing photography, uh, I was an amateur photographer for years, uh, before I made a business out of it, I was a hobbyist photographer. Uh, back in the old film days, and then around 1999, and I saw, I read an article about the dawn of the digital age and the digital SLR, and I read uh, some um, articles on the Kodak DSLR that was coming out that was around $10,000, and I was very interested in it at that time because uh, I was never a great... I was never a great film photographer because I always shot tons and tons of film and never got it developed because I was too lazy to develop mm. it. So and it's a it, process to do that too. It is, man. And like I was very into the whole process of developing my film and you know doing it on my own and setting up a dark room. And I thought all that stuff was cool. And then I did it a couple of times and I was over it. Like the black and white, you know, I never did color, but to develop black and white. But now I'm thinking about actually getting back into it, like getting a medium format, old uh, medium format Hasselblad or something and mm-hmm. trying to get back into it. But uh, yeah, that's, that's how I started. About 1999, I got started full time and uh, you know, I've had different jobs as a photographer, as an on-staff photographer for some, like uh, I worked for a sports agency called MMA Agents out in Huntington Beach. That's mm-hmm. how I moved from Texas to California. And how was that transition though, going from Texas to California? Uh, it's a, that's a very weird transition actually, because like people, you know, there's no state in the state of Texas that people are more proud of their state. Mm-hmm. Can't really explain that to people. Like people, you know, like you know, like Texas used. Texas is the only state in the United States that can fly its a flag. Let's see, how does that work? They can fly their flag on a, is it separate? Or on the same pole as the United States flag, mm-hmm. I think. And everybody else has to have a separate one or something like that. It's something to do with that. And the only reason they can do that is because Texas actually used to be a country, yeah, a country of, of itself. Of its yeah, And so, like, people, like, People in Texas are very proud of Texas, and so when you live there, usually people haven't they haven't they haven't traveled outside of Texas that much. Mm-hmm. So it's all about Texas, and so when you're in when you're ingrained ingrained in that, that's kind of the way you think too. So, you know, when I moved out here, like I wasn't like I really I I didn't think it was that great when I moved out here, and it took a couple of years to, for the transition to really take place. And now it's funny because like, I thought Texas, man, I was like, I love Texas. And now when I go back to Texas, it's like, I can't stand Texas. You know (laughs) what I mean? I mean, it's not, I can't stand it. It's just, there's a lot of simpleton ways and a lot of simpleton ways of thinking. Uh, people are very closed minded, very set in their ways, very set in what they think. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love about California, man, is because like, you know, whether you're conservative or you're independent or you're liberal or whatever you are, everybody still just does their own thing. And, you know, there's none of this. There's not so much hate back and forth. And, you know, in Texas, man, if people are conservative, they hate liberals. You know, they all they do is talk shit about California, you know, because we're so liberal out here. But they, the funny thing about it is they don't know their ass on the hole in the ground because there's a shitload of Republicans in California. Yeah, a shitload. Are. 
And that's what the that was the funniest thing for me when I moved out here and living in Huntington Beach, which is one of the upper echelons of the OC mm-hmm. uh, community. And, you know, there was tons and tons and tons of conservatives in that town, you know, but they just, you know, they everybody just kind of does their own thing. We're not so hooked into politics. You know, we all yeah. we all kind of realize it's all bullshit. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, and, and in some other states, you know, Texas, especially, they're so wrapped up in the politics, man, that, you know, they can't even, you know, they can't even enjoy a meal, you know, because they're so stirred up about, you know, something what's going on over the news. Yeah, and stuff. Something they heard on Fox News or something. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's, I, don't, I don't get it, man. People are just so tight here, I think. And uh, it's more slower pace over there, too, huh? In Texas. Or? It's, it's a it's a oh, yeah, it's a lot slower play. It's a lot slower pace, but mm-hmm. we're more laid back here. But like here, man, it's like, uh, you know, we're going 90 to nothing in L.A., you know, what I mean, mm-hmm. in, in this in Southern California. <clears throat> to where in Texas, yeah, it's, you know, it's a very, um, you know, Groundhog Day thing for most people that mm-hmm. live there. You know, they get up in the morning, they go to work, they work their job, you know, and then they go home and. And then they they cook dinner, watch TV for a f- couple hours, and they go to bed, and then they repeat. Yeah. And that's what I love about California is there's so many people doing so many things. You know what I mean? Even people that have that nine-to-five job or bartending on the weekend or, mm-hmm. you know, where everybody's just got so much stuff going on. You know what I mean? There's so much stuff to do here. You know, I go back to Dallas, man, and, like, you know, I look at my relatives and stuff, and it's just like, God, man, it's like they're just stuck in slow motion. Yeah. And so it's really hard for me, you know, cause it's like, it's like you've been on the racetrack racing for days and days and days. And then all of a sudden you're stuck in first gear and you can't get out of first gear. You're like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like the, the lap or the lap car. What's, what's it called? The, uh, pace yep. car. Yeah. The pace cars out there and won't get the hell out of the way and let you go again. You know what I mean? But the other thing about it though, is like Dallas is it's, it's a smaller city and, and it's, so it's actually nice to decompress. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's one thing I've learned about L.A. is, you know, L.A. is a rough city. And uh, L.A. can steal your soul if you let it. So you really have to learn, you know, how to cope with this city mm-hmm. so it doesn't get the better of you. And one of the things I've learned uh, to to keep that from happening to me is you have to get the hell out of L.A. Yeah. every now and then. If you're really in the industry working in any in the entertainment industry or anything like that um you know you have to get out and decompress you got to get out and for me it's just getting the hell out of LA yeah about every 3 months i need to get the hell out of LA and go somewhere yeah cuz i see you once in a while like saying that you're going to a different state or something yep. and just going there for like a week or two and, and that's just, exactly what i do i get the yeah. hell out of LA and just which is smart a lot of people do not do that and they just stay in the chaos and they stay in the chaos and it will eventually lead to destruction if you don't yeah. get the hell out which is sad you see a lot of people and hear about a lot of stuff like a lot of celebrities that just can't deal with it after a while and they just go nuts and that, and that's exactly what it is you know and these <clears throat> these people have more than enough money to get the hell out of la mm-hmm. you know and just and just relax for you know a few days but it's something about you just get stuck in the pace and you can't you know and it happens to me when i leave i feel like i'm guilty or i feel like i'm going to be missing something excuse me and since i work for myself i always feel like i'm missing work or you know probably missing an opportunity you know and it's funny every time i leave town then something comes up as soon as i'm gone somebody's you know i've got a quote right now for a guy that's needing a video and 
for a Kickstarter program. And since I've gotten back, I've been so far behind mm -hmm. that I have to struggle to get caught back up. And that's, that's a challenge in itself. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and, but, still it's not worth my sanity, you know, yeah. to stay in the chaos. Cause it can take a I'll toll do. on your body and like in your mind. Exactly. Time. Really? It really does. It's, it's weird. People don't understand that or don't realize that even people that live here, they don't realize like, you know, you can't like, if you take a race car out, you know, you can't just keep redlining it, mm -hmm. you know, or and if you do, you're going to blow the engine. Yeah. And you need that's some what time to put in the garage, let it sit there, work on it a little bit and then get it back on the, of course. Exactly. And that's what people, you know, too many people that live in this town that they just, they don't, you know, they don't take the time for themselves. They're mm -hmm. just so caught in the, they're so caught in the rat race and so caught in the moment of now of getting this done, getting that done that, you know, just it eventually takes a toll on them. Yeah. You need to take a step back, yep. evaluate things for a little bit, clear your mind and go into it. That's why I think uh, like all the people who go out hiking up in like the Hollywood area and all that stuff, I think that's the main reason why they do it to get away from everything for at least an hour or two and just i, I do it too man i love to go hiking griffith park and yeah it's beautiful up there it's man. beautiful up there man and you can't explain that to people unless you know unless you, you've done it because mm -hmm. that blew my mind the first time i went up there because <clears throat> literally over by franklin where griffith park is over there like it's the hustle and bustle i mean it's so busy over there yeah that's one of the busiest areas of LA is that Hollywood area right there, man. I mean, it is like chaos. And then you drive down to the end of the street where the beginning of Griffith park is and you walk for 10 minutes and it's like, you're in the freaking wilderness, man. Yeah. You're like, where in the hell am I at? Especially when you make it up by the sign and just yeah, look yeah. down and, and you see just everything happening. It's just complete serenity in one spot that you're in. Complete serenity. And the East coast equivalent of that is in New York, um, I used to have a little flat in Astoria Heights, and in New York, they have, um, oh, God, what's it called? Um, um, well, I've got Griffith Park on the mind now. Um, what's the big park in Manhattan? Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. New York, no, it's not New York Square. It's, uh, oh, my God, what's it called? I can't believe my mind just went blank. That's crazy. Uh, oh, my God. It's a giant. Central Park. Yeah. God. Isn't just one gigantic, like long rectangle just through the city? Yeah, well, like well, right in the middle of it. Yeah, it's it's um, it's in uptown, I believe, is where it's located. Mm. I know it's it's uh, because the Empire State Building is considered Midtown, and where the World Trade Center is, and used to be the old World Trade Center and the new World Trade Center is, that's considered downtown. So I believe it's right at Uptown. Uh, I know it's across from the Ritz, I believe. But it's it's a crazy thing, too, because you can be immersed in the middle of Manhattan and you can hit that park. Mm -hmm. And even though it's flat, it's not like the, the hills and stuff in, in Hollywood. You're still like it's almost like a, a tranquil forest experience yeah. as well. And it's, it's the same equivalent, you know what I mean? Because you can still hear the car horns and stuff around you. But, like, I mean, there's squirrels running through trees. And, and you know, you hike through there. It's not really a hike. You just walk through there. And there's, like, people on bicycles. And I remember there's one spot where they have, like, a carousel that's been there for years. It's mm -hmm. been in a lot of movies. Like one of those with the horses and stuff. Oh, and it yeah, just, yeah. like, takes you around and stuff. <clears throat> yeah, it's been there for years. It's very iconic. But it's a very iconic park as well. But it's it's yeah. a little bit of that same thing. So... I think with these, you know, with L.A. and, and New York, you know, there's such 
there's such a high octane cities yeah. that you need that little area that you can, you know, escape to if you need to. And in other words, you don't have to necessarily like with going with like just going out on a hike or finding that one spot, like one spot. You don't necessarily have to go out of out of state if you can't afford it. You can just go find a spot. There's always going to be that one place where you can just get away from all the chaos for at least an hour or two. Exactly, and that's what makes those that's what makes those two places, you know, in both of those cities like so uh you know, so valuable to mm-hmm. to their to the places. And you know, it's funny cuz I talk to people here, you know, and people that have lived here for years and that have moved here and they've never went hiking like in Griffith Park. I'm like, yeah. are you out of your mind? It's like, you know, it's an hour drive max, even from like uh, South OC or, yeah. you know, it's and it's crazy. I mean, it's like, why would you not take advantage of It's not of that? too far and it's so worth it. It's so worth it. And it's, and it's great <laughs> exercise, man. Oh, yeah. oh, oh it's people, tough. People don't realize. <laughs> that's what, that's the funny thing about it is you really do need to go prepare. Like, yeah. the last time I went hiking in Griffith, Griffith Park, I actually went with an ex-girlfriend of mine. And I was telling her the whole time, I'm like, we need to get water. We need to get water. She's like, no, 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 because she just wanted to get there. So we get there with no water. Oh, and no. I'm trying to tell her, like, you know, I hadn't hiked up to the Hollywood sign. I'd hiked mm-hmm. Griffith Park, but I hadn't actually went to the sign all the way. And we got there, I think, at like 4.30 uh, on a, like a Saturday or Sunday evening. Mm-hmm. And it's literally like a three and a half hour hike. Yeah. It's probably an hour and a half, two hours up, and then an hour and a half, two hours down. It's crazy. And so we had no water. So yeah. Was, oh, yeah. you're dying. Yeah, dying. I wanted to slap her like five times. <laughs> I don't hit women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but definitely take some water. Uh, take some good shoes with you. Yeah, good shoes, good shoes, water, and wear something comfortable. Yeah, big so, time. You see a lot of people up there. I see people that... You see a lot of people that don't know what they're getting into and they're not prepared and they're like, they go wearing, like, like with jeans and stuff. Je- you know, you're thinking they're probably like, uh, you know, they're um, from out of town or, mm-hmm. you know, they're tourists and they're just going to check it out. And I've even seen chicks up there in high heels and I'm like, what are yeah, you doing? No. Yeah, That's probably no. one of those like spare the moment things. Yep. Like, oh, it's going to be easy. Yep. Nope. And people think it's like, uh, I think they think it's like a little, well, you know, the bottom of Griffith Park is, but it's, mm-hmm. it's not that big, but it's a, a small part. But then, the hiking trails are, yeah, I mean, they're real, the, they're the, the real trails, deal. The trail starts uh, behind the observatory. Yeah. So you well, have to go from there. and. Yeah, uh, there's the trails there, and that's to the old side of the park where the zoo and stuff used to be, mm-hmm. right? I think so. Uh-huh. But, you know, there's a whole other side of Griffith Park that's over off Franklin, and it's really close to Franklin in the 101. It's, uh, oh, Franklin and Bronson. Mm-hmm. If you go to Franklin and Bronson and go... Um, Gosh, if you keep going straight, that turns into uh, like Griffith Park Parkway or something like that. But it's actually Bronson. And then you go past, um, it's like right off the 101 and Sunset. Is that when you go like through that long tunnel or no? No. This is if you're going down the 101, you exit Sunset Boulevard, and then you take a right on Bronson and just go straight. Mm -hmm. And that'll take you. That was another thing when I moved here. Uh, when I moved to Long Beach originally, like I'd never been over in that area. And I literally went over in that area five times just trying to see the Hollywood sign, mm-hmm. just trying to get a good look at it. And it's so complex and so complicated. I would actually look at the Internet, you know, before I'd went, go over there and try to find out, you know, like where you needed to be or what was the right places. And people don't understand. It's very the Hollywood Hills are very, very complicated. It's like yeah. a maze over there. And so I can tell people if you if you want to go to the Hollywood sign 
and get a great view of the Hollywood sign. You go uh, the 110 to the 101, you exit Sunset Boulevard, and then you make a right on Bronson and just go straight. The mm. actual, you can't miss it because the Scientology Celebrity Center is right over there. So you can see that. It's right there. It's the same street that's on. And I think uh, Celebrity Center is at, it's at um, Franklin and Bronson. It's mm. at that corner. And if you just keep going straight, it will take you straight up into the Hollywood Hill. It's straight to Griffith Park. And there's a place over there where you can park and hike right up to just the sign. Up. That's awesome. Like, that sign is just amazing. It Too is. Bad, like, they had to cage it off just because people would always tag on it and all that crazy stuff. But Yeah, it's it's actually a little bit of disappointment when you get up there, you know, mm-hmm. because it is so caged off. And, you know, like, being a photographer, like, I got up there and I'd taken, like, a 24 to 70 millimeter with me, mm-hmm. which is not really a very wide angle lens. And the, you can't get the whole sign at all. You know what I mean? It's yeah. literally you'd have to stitch it together in, like, a panoramic to actually be able to get the whole sign. And then there's a fence between you. But it's still the hike's amazing. You can't beat the hike. Yeah, it is really beautiful. So um, when you got here, what were some of the first uh, like photography jobs that you got? Or did you have, like, a side job, too, like a part-time job? Or No, when I first moved here, I was an on-staff photographer for MMA agents. Mm-hmm. So um, I actually was the photographer, on-staff photographer, uh, and I – you know, at that time, Kim Pavia, who was my boss, had started that company. He had been a sports agent for, like, baseball players and I think hockey players maybe. Pretty sure baseball players. And he had uh, been an agent for them for years. And then uh, he met Rico Rodriguez, who at the time, I believe Rico was still the UFC heavyweight champion. And um, Rico asked Ken to uh, manage him. Mm-hmm. And so when I got out here, GT Torres and Kim Pavia were the entire company. They were that entire company. And I think when I got here to Huntington, I think Ken had six or seven. He had six or seven uh, clients. Mm -hmm. And then within a month after I got here, we were up to 12. Nice. And then when Ken sold that company, I don't know all the specifics because I left, but I mean, he had like literally like 50 clients. Mm. I mean, he had a lot of clients in it at that time and probably 2006 and 2007 we were other than Monty um God, I can't remember his last name Monty had been, he's been doing this for he'd been doing it longer than Ken I think uh managing fighters but Ken we grew MMA agents into the biggest mixed martial sports agency in the world mm-hmm. at that time I believe and uh and it was a lot of fun but when I first got here you know, there really wasn't enough photography to keep me busy. Mm-hmm. Basically, my job was to take pictures of athletes and their sponsorship stuff, yeah. uh, get it on our website. So I was a web consultant. I designed I designed and built our first website, which uh, Ken actually had it revamped uh, from another company because my skills were kind of rudimentary at that time. And uh, there was another guy that uh, did a lot better job. The site looked a lot better, but it was all of... He actually built the site on my framework the way I, I originally yeah. done it. And uh, he just kind of did it on steroids where it looked a lot better and it was a lot more aesthetically pleasing to the eye. So, um, But my job primarily was to get pictures of our fighters and their sponsorship gear because if they, if a sponsor was paying for a fighter to see them in their gear, they wanted yeah. pictures of them in their stuff. So, um, And then I had a lot of side things that I did too because I tried to help out and – 
and do anything I could, you know, to, uh, you know, to better the company and move the company forward. So, you know, I would go pick up fighter shorts. I would go, you know, I remember a story where, um, I laugh about it now, but it was a story where we were in Vegas and, um, I think Razor was fighting my old roommate, Razor Rob McCullough was fighting. And, uh, I'm pretty sure he was, I think he was fighting Kit Cope for the WC lightweight championship. And, um, you know, we would have other fighters that wanted to come to events that were our clients. <clears throat> and so Carl Parisian flew in to Vegas from, he lives here in LA too. Mm-hmm. He lives up in Hollywood. It's trains at legends gym, I believe still, I don't know, but, um, he flew in. And so, um, uh, Ken asked me to go to, uh, the airport and pick up Caro. So I was like, all right. So I, uh, go out and jump in our rental car and I go to the airport to pick Carl up. So I've got Carl's number and I'd never actually, I think I'd met Carl once at a club. Maybe. Yeah. I'd met him at a, we were out at a club, like at a after fight party or something. I'd met him once. So I knew him, but I didn't really know. He wasn't like one of my best friends mm-hmm. at that time. And he was one of the fighters I didn't know as well as a lot of other fighters. And, um, uh, it was funny, man, because I'm like, I get to the Vegas airport, and I'm like driving, and the Vegas airport's really not that big, but I'm driving at the pickup area, yeah. and you can't stop. You know, it's like every airport now, you can't really, can't stop, really stop and look around. So I'm like doing drive-bys, like looking for this freaking <laughs> Armenian dude, and I'm like, where in the hell is he at? And so I'm calling him on the phone, man, and he's he's like really patient at first. It's funny. He's like, Raf, man, I'm standing right here in the front, man. I'm right here. I'm like, dude, I'm driving by right now. Can you see me? I'm like in a, in a, <laughs> a, a silver Lexus. He's like, man, I don't see you, man. I'm standing right here though. I'm like, okay, okay. I, I'm like, I got to go back around. So literally dude, like I went around that airport, like probably that circle, like seven times. And so I come around the la- the last time I'm like, and I'm, so I'm pissed. He's screaming at me and I'm screaming at him. He's like, I don't fucking see you, man. I'm like, I don't fucking see you either. I was like, I'm fucking over this. I'm going to go back to the fucking hotel and get a fucking cab. And he's, cause he's screaming. I'm like, where the fuck are you screaming at me for, man? I'm doing you a fucking favor. He's like, you motherfucker. I'm going to fucking kill you when I catch you. It was hilarious, man. And I'm like, what are you fucking wearing, dude? What? He's like, I told you, man, I'm wearing a fucking, I'm wearing warmups. I'm like, what color are they? He's like, they're red. And I look, man, there's, you could see those red fucking sweatpants from China, dude. And I was like, oh my God. I'm like, man, why didn't you say that to begin with? So I like pull over and pick him up and, and he, and he's, and it was funny cause he gets out of the car. He's like screaming at me and I'm screaming. We're like pointing our fingers at each other. He's like, man, how can you fucking not see me? I've been standing here for 20 fucking minutes. I'm like, dude, I drove around. How could you not see me? I'm in this big fucking silver Lexus. You couldn't fucking see me. <laughs> it's funny. We're like yelling and screaming at each other. And all of a sudden we just kind of fucking start looking at each other. And he's like, you got big balls, Rav. I'll give you that, man. <laughs> and he's like, starts laughing. And I'm like, Dude, I have no idea how I could not see the only fucking Armenian with a fucking red jumpsuit on in the city of Vegas. I'm serious. The only dude he's wearing like, you know, like the. Was the, it like the full the, suit, like the, the jacket the, and like No, pants? he didn't. I don't think he had the jacket on, but he, he always wears those like silk, you know, those silk. Like, uh, kind of like the Adidas, like running. Yeah, type, yeah, he always wears those, man, or used to at that time. Mm-hmm. Every time you seen him, he had those things on, dude. It was hilarious. And the <laughs> ones he had on, man, were like this bright, 
cherry lipstick red. You know what oh, I mean? Like, shit. I mean, like if there would have been a bull anywhere within a hundred miles, <laughs> he would have got ma- uh, mauled. And I couldn't see it, man. It was so funny. And I'm like, why didn't I ask him like what color he was? You know, like what he, you know, as he, he's like, I'm wearing a, a sweatsuit, man. And I never asked him. I never thought to ask him, like, what color is it? All I had to do is go, what color is your sweatsuit? Because you can literally see him a mile away. Because, you know, when you're driving past people, like, your mind won't actually let you focus. You know, Mm -hmm. you're just kind of like everything's in a blur. Yeah. So every time I would, and then you got people behind you honking at you because you're trying to slow down and look for somebody. So it was like, I would just, I was probably looking like right at him, but I was looking right through him like Mm -hmm. every fucking time. And then having to go around and go around and go around. So it was hilarious. <laughs> Shit. Like, um, so with, with doing photography and stuff, like, how did you get to do, like, uh, bigger things? Like, how would you find, like, other opportunities to do stuff, like, out there? And- Dude, it's like, it's the old cliche saying of, like, you know, it's, you can study photography and study it and study it and study it. Mm-hmm. And be the most amazing photographer in the world. And... You know, and have the most amazing skills, be, you know, be technically 100% sound in every single thing you're doing in the game of photography. But it's all about who you know, man. Mm -hmm. It's all about, you know, I mean, you're better off getting out and doing stuff like I'm doing with you right here Mm -hmm. than you are spending hours and hours and hours at home studying photography stuff you know what i mean yeah, so it's a lot of like networking it's a getting lot to of know networking people. it's a lot of uh you know it's a lot of meeting people getting your name out there mm-hmm. uh, you know being at the right place at the right time i mean for magical things to happen it's all about being at the right place at the right time yeah. and a lot of people just try to ignore that they do yeah they really do because they want their skills you know they're like they're you know photographers you know artists in general a lot of us have big egos mm-hmm and so we think, oh, you know, I don't have to do anything. My my shit's so sound that everybody's going to come worship me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Dude, it doesn't happen like that. You got to really get out there and network yourself and push mm-hmm. your name. And, you know, the funny thing about it is, you know, the thing about L.A. is shit's so expensive is even when you think you've made it, half the time you still haven't made it. You're still, yeah. you know, hustling and struggling and, you know, trying to pay the bills like everybody else is. You yeah. know what I mean? It's It's a never-ending monster. And I bet I know you've met those people where you go out of state or something and you say, yeah, I'm a pretty successful photographer. And they think you're just fucking loaded and all that stuff. And they expect like a lot out of it. And it's like, no, dude, it I have chicks. I don't so much anymore, man. But I used to. I mean, it's kind of died out. But literally, dude, I had chicks from other states, man, would like hit me up on MySpace mm-hmm. back in the MySpace days. Um, my first girlfriend out here, I met her on MySpace. She hit me up on MySpace, but I've had chicks wanting me to fly them in. You know, they got this delusion. Like I'm living (laughs) in this fucking Hollywood hillside, three, $4 million mansion. You know (laughs) what I mean? And I'm having bubbly parties every night. You know, like the funny thing is like the dude that's actually doing that right now is Dan Bilzerian. Bilzerian. Mm. You know what I'm talking about? No, I've heard the name faintly. You'll have to check out his Instagram. Yeah. Like, so he's actually living that fantasy dream that everybody mm-hmm. thinks that everybody out here is living. Yeah. It's like, it's not like that for most of us where everybody's just, you know, yeah, you know, just trying to make ends meet. Yeah. Pretty much the, the typical success for most people out here trying to make it is actually at least being able to call yourself a paid photographer or a paid comic or a paid like entertainer. That is, that and is, that's what, man, mo- yeah. you, you like, 
you hit the nail on the head when you said yeah. that, dude, because, you know, that's what it's all about. Because, like, the thing about L.A. is it is the entertainment capital of the world. Mm-hmm. And it's a joke, you know, to, like, people that live here because, like, fucking everybody that's doing something is doing something else. Yeah. So your waiter at, you know, um, your waiter at Ruby's Cafe or wherever you're at or, mm-hmm. like, Chili's or whatever they may be your waiter, you know what I mean, but they're probably acting, doing acting, yeah. acting classes and whatever on the weekends. Exactly. Or they're a musician or they're something. Everybody out here, you know, that's that's the thing I love about LA though, man. Mm-hmm. It's like there's so many people with so much passion out here oh, yeah. that you don't get in other cities. That's why you know, that's why LA's a magical place. I mean, you know, <clears throat> New York is a cool city. And I love New York and there was a time I really thought I wanted to live in New York. And I've worked in New York, and um, but New York, it doesn't it doesn't have that magic that LA's got. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, LA's just got. There's something about LA. You know, it's it's a city where the stars shine. At, you know, the stars are shining at at during the day and at night. Man, mm-hmm. it's it's it is the entertainment capital of the world. It's what I love about this city. Yeah, I just love how uh, like Hollywood and like the LA area just come to life once the sun starts going down. Yeah, it's a, it's like oh my a, god, it's. It's a it's a thing that yeah you can't explain it you just have to experience it mm-hmm. you know and the thing about LA is like I moved here from Dallas so I was just in Dallas so I just got back from Dallas and the one thing I do love about Dallas is that city is a very clean pristine um, very copacetic you know what mm-hmm. I mean it's like it's like Toronto it's like those are very clean I mean the cities are very very clean mm-hmm. you can't explain that to somebody. You know, in L.A., when I moved out here, I was like, man, this place is a fucking dump, dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I was like, what the fuck? And, uh, and, but then after you get embedded into the city, you start to appreciate those things. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, you start to appreciate, like, uh, you know, there's not fucking track houses everywhere. You know what I yeah. mean? And, you know, every house is different. You know, if you're by the beach, dude, there's, uh, the closer the water you get, you know, and you can't. You have to get out into like the IE, mm-hmm. um, the Inland Empire, before you can even see any resemblance of track homes. You yeah. know, Riverside, Corona, that kind of area, and that's quite a ways from LA. And uh, but in the whole LA area, dude, there's every house is different. Every house mm-hmm. is original. Every house of its own. Every house cost over a million dollars. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's Super a little shack. Expensive. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like in Long Beach, I was looking at a house a while back as a joke. You know, I put it on my Facebook page because, you know, like in Texas, the house would probably like, no shit, you could probably buy that house for thirty to $60,000. Yeah. And it was up on a bid. It was a bid site, kind of kind of like a real estate site, like eBay, but a bid mm-hmm. site. So they put that, they, they listed up there with a minimum bid. And I looked at it, and I think it was at seven hundred and forty-two thousand dollars. Damn! And the minimum bid was seven hundred fifty thousand, and it didn't sell because it didn't reach its minimum bid. It got to seven hundred forty-eight thousand dollars. Oh my god! It's crazy! And I and like the backyard was grown up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, like it was. It wasn't like a big fancy. Big, no, it was a yeah. piece. You know, in Texas terms it would be a piece of crap i wouldn't even look at that house to buy it in texas you know what i mean (laughs) like that house would be in a shitty neighborhood that nobody would want to live in that's the great thing about texas is like i just stay with my sister my sister lives in a beautiful home 
you know, it's not really a McMansion, but it's mm-hmm. a, you know, in Texas, you know, it's what the average Each couple house, live yeah. in. You know what I mean? It's like a beautiful two-story home. It's three or four bedrooms, two full baths, two stories, huge backyard. Mm-hmm. I mean, huge backyard. Like, no shit. Their backyard, you could probably park, I would say, seven semis in their backyard with a trailer. Mm-hmm. And, a, and a, a trailer on a semi is 48 foot. You know, and you could literally park them side by side. That's how big Damn. their backyard is. And yeah. it's in a it's in a coldies. I mean, it's in a subdivision. Yeah. It's a track house in a subdivision. You know what I mean? And they pray, you know, and they they paid less than probably two hundred thousand dollars for that house. Yeah. I asked my sister, so and she's paying cheaper. she's paying three hundred dollars cheaper for that house that I'm paying for my freaking studio in Long Beach, which my studio is. Oh, people either love it or they hate it because it's, mm-hmm. it's a little ghetto. You know what I mean? It's a big ass shop garage space that was converted into a live workspace. Mm-hmm. And it was a furniture upholstery place before I moved in there. But the building itself was probably built back in the 30s. And it's a large building with two stories, you know, and what my whole building was at the time of when the building was new was my my building was the parking garage. For the building. Oh, shit. And now with California, the way we do shit, <clears throat> like the, like, you know, there's shops in the bottom, mm-hmm. you know, it's commercial space in the bottom, and there's uh, uh, like offices and all no, that stuff. No, there's apartments on top. There's mm-hmm. two yeah. re- residential apartments on top, and then there's my building. But it, you know, when the building was new, like, there's three huge bay doors. So you could park, you can park six cars mm-hmm. in my building. Side by side. And then actually probably eight cars in my building. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty good sized building. It's 2,000 square feet. But it's, there's nothing fancy about it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just a big old garage space that's been converted into, you know, shop space. It's it's a lot like your studio here. I wouldn't mind it, It's just raw. Yeah. Just a raw, it's just like this, but 2,000 square feet of it. I wouldn't mind that at all, man. And people, that's why I say people either love it or they hate it. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, how you see like on TV sometimes where you go into those one lofts that are upstairs or something like that. It's just one big open space, and they just have pretty much everything in their own sections and stuff. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's the way mine is. And, you know, it's been, you know, there's there's a what's called a built-in uh, mm. part of it, So which at back in the day used to be an office. And so there's like a little hallway. So basically it's like when you take a big, large building and you build a, a, like sheetrock in offices and stuff in it. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like you see that in a lot in like uh, mechanic shops and um, and stuff like that where they mm-hmm. have like an office that's inside a building. Yeah. So that's what, that's what the built-in is. So there's a bathroom and a shower and all that stuff. But it's just a big raw space. Yeah. Big open about raw about space. It, man. I love and stuff the, the thing like that. I love about it is I have a couple of Harley Davidsons and I have an old classic Mustang and then Which my is truck. Beautiful. I saw a picture of that thing. Oh, oh my God. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I've been thinking about getting rid of it, man. I never drive it. And it just sits there paying insurance on it and everything. But, but don't use it for like your shoots and stuff. I do. Sometimes. I do. Yeah. It's a fun prop, you know, and yeah. it's not too many photographers that can say they have a 66 Mustang mm-hmm. to use as a prop. And girls love that car. So it's like mm-hmm. a girls and guys love that it's car. A, yeah. It's awesome. a chick. It's a chick magnet though. The thing about the funny thing is about that car is, <clears throat> I'm actually uh I'm a Chevy guy. Mm-hmm. I've always been a Chevy guy. My first car was like the original uh Bandit from Smoking the Bandit. Yeah. My first car was a 78 Trans Am. Oh and, god. Uh, yeah, I love that car. 
And I've always been, uh, I've always been a GM guy. I've mm-hmm. had like, I've owned a 67 Chevy short, uh, narrow bed step side pickup. Mm-hmm. I had a 68 long bed pickup, Chevy pickup. And so I've always had Chevys all my life. And, uh, when I bought this Mustang, I was looking at my real dream car is a 69 Firebird. Mm-hmm. I love the 69 Firebird. And, uh, uh, I like the 68 too, but the 68 Camaro and, uh, you know, in the 68, 69, the 68 the more rounder version. Mm-hmm. And when I was younger, the 68 was the cat's meow, but now the 69 is kind of, and I love the 69 Firebird. That's what I really want is a 69 Firebird. But the difference in the price of them and the Mustangs is $10,000. Yeah. It's crazy. It's a and lot so, of cash. Yeah, and I, you know, and the thing about it is, is you can't finance one of those. So you got to pay cash for them. Mm-hmm. So I started looking around at Mustangs because, you know, I heard they were a little cheaper. And uh, how I got to thinking about it, you know, and the funny thing is, dude, is like, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of women that appreciate a 68 Mustang or a 69 Firebird or whatever. Mm-hmm. But women love Mustangs. Mm-hmm. Women themselves love Mustangs. If you take a poll of chicks and ask them what their dream car is they'll say you have a classic car seven out of ten of them will say a mustang my ex-wife loved the old mustangs Mm -hmm. uh i've known tons of chicks that love the mustangs so i'm like why am i getting a car that dudes love you know what i mean (laughs) because if you're riding around in a 69 firebird every dude's gonna be like oh dude look at that car, you mm-hmm. know, and girls will be like, oh, yeah, it's a really nice car, you know what I mean? Yeah. But you and it's, you put yourself in like a 60-something Mustang, and dudes will be like, oh, that's a badass car, but chicks are like, oh, my God, I love that car, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, I've had models and stuff come to the studio, and, like, they'll come screaming, you know, like, because it's, I, the farthest bay of my studio is my garage. Yeah. I use it as my garage, so I park on my vehicles. And, like, you know, I have models that I don't even tell them it's over there, but they'll be out roaming around smoking a cigarette or doing whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, model models smoke all of them too. Yeah. A it's lot the, of models. It's smoke. the diet. Yeah. It's a cigarette yeah. and water. No, it's cigarettes <laughs> and diet coke, dude. Oh, they yeah. drink diet coke like it's water. It's crazy. Damn. And uh yeah. And so yeah, they'll come running back, Oh my god, that car's amazing. You know, like, <laughs> Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you it's over there. <laughs> yeah, so it's a cool car. That's but, dope. Love that stuff, man. But how how's the uh, the big difference? Like, would you rather stay like in Long Beach? Are you still located in Long Beach right now? Or I am located in Long Beach, and uh, you know, honestly, in all honesty, I would rather be located in downtown LA yeah, so or Hollywood. Yeah, and that's the better demographics for what I do. Um, you know, the on the ups- the other side of that though is in Long Beach is, you know, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back or brag or anything, but I'm probably the most established photographer in Long Beach. Mm-hmm. There might be one other guy that's pretty new to the area that opened up a studio, I think, on Pine Street, who does some automotive stuff and, and stuff. I'm not sure exactly what his name is, but, like, you know, I've been in Long Beach now for, God, going on eight years. So, mm-hmm. And all the photographers that were there when I moved there, there was another photographer I used to ride Harleys with. He's gone, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, I check his uh, Facebook page, you know. And he opened up a studio and everything, and I haven't seen him post anything on his on his site since like 2009, mm-hmm. 2010. So it's a whole new breed of photographers now um, that have moved into Long Beach, and and it's cool because it's a it's a smaller, it seems like a smaller environment. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's not so dog eat dog, but you know what I want to do is. 
primarily entertainment industry stuff. Yeah. And you really need to be out in the middle in, of you it. You got to yeah. be in the middle of it. Yeah. But the problem is, is, you know, the real estate in Long Beach, as far as a beach community, is the cheapest in California, probably. Mm -hmm. I mean, and one of the most in any of the major cities. Yeah. Like Long Beach is the most economical, even though it's way more than a lot of places. It's um, it's still a lot. Sorry about that. It's still a lot less than like Santa Monica Mm -hmm. or Venice you know, or any of those places or Hollywood or downtown LA even, yeah. you know, a place, a place like what I'm, what I have right now, I've looked at equivalents in like Hollywood and downtown LA and dude, they're all well over $2,000 yeah, a month. LA is expensive. You know, literally for what I want, what I really want is 2,500 to $3,000 a month. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't sound like that much to some people. And then some people it does, but to me, when you work for yourself, man, that's hustling a lot of work. That is a lot. And then you're not paying any of your bills. You still have all your bills on top mm-hmm. of that. Like my place is like 1500 a month, but it's very economical. And But I still have the bills and shit to pay. But when, when you add everything up with car insurance for four vehicles and all that shit, dude, my bills are $2,200 a month. And then I haven't even eaten anything. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's it's a lot. Of, that's where the pressure comes in. That's what I'm talking about with LA and you know and then the other thing with like my mom passed away in February sorry my about son that. was it's, yeah sorry no problem man it happens and uh my son was just in the hospital so then you get behind mm-hmm. so then it's that struggle of or anytime I leave I always try to have enough money in the bank that it doesn't uh it's not stressful for, for me when I live mm-hmm. but when it's a family emergency you it's, just gotta yeah, go no questions yeah, asked you, have you just to go. gotta go yeah and so like I had budgeted, I budgeted like six, $700 to go to Texas. Mm-hmm. And I just did all of my, you know, I just did, you know, all of the finances on it. And I fucking spent like $1,600. Damn. I'm like, I don't even know where, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? When I got home, I thought in that, in the account that I had used, I thought I was going to be, there was going to be literally, I thought there would probably be eight to $1,200 left in there. Mm-hmm. And then I checked it and it was 400 bucks. Yeah. And then I hadn't even paid for the rental car yet. And the rental car, I rented a car because I thought it'd be cheaper than flying. And the rental car ended up costing me about 800 bucks. It was 500 Jesus. and something for the rental car. And then it was 160 to $200 in gas mm. one way. So you drove all flown. the way down yeah. there? And I could have flown. Oh, yeah. man. I drove. Big mistake. How long was that drive? Oh, dude, it was. it's 24 hours straight. Oh, shit. If you get in a car right now, if we got in a car right now and left to go to Dallas, we'd get there. Around this time tomorrow. This time tomorrow, yeah. It's a crazy Damn. drive. And so I was breaking it up on the way back, uh, and I was going to take a little mini vacation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually took, I was kind of dating a chick, and I took her with me out there. And she was the sole reason that I rented a car. Mm-hmm. Because I could have flown out there. I have a friend of mine that had free miles who's going to let me fly for free out there and back. Mm-hmm. But because she wanted to go, and I was like, well, it'd be a good support system to have a chick with me and stuff. Yeah. And I mean, this girl was actually kind of getting kind of serious. So I was like, yeah, I'll take her. So uh, we load up in the car, and I decided to rent a car instead. We go over there. The first night we're there, the first or second night we're there, I think it was the second. Yeah, the second night we're there. We got there, spent the night. The next night, went and saw my son in the hospital. I had decided to stay at the hospital. We had some drama go come up. Mm-hmm. She got pissed off. 
called her stepmom or stepmom bought her a ticket and she flew back to LA the next day. Oh Jesus. So left me there. I was like, Oh fuck. I had all this shit planned to go to my dad's and ride horses. Cause mm-hmm. she likes horses. And I kind of grew up on a sla- a farm. It's not a farm. It's a, like a it's, ranch. Type it's a thing. ranch, yeah. but it's, it's not what people envision a ranch. Mm-hmm. It's, but it's, yeah, my dad raises, he's, he's a shoot, he's a farrier and he trains horses and, He's been doing that shit for like sixty years, so that seems like it'd be interesting, like hard, but oh, seems like it'd be yeah. My brother's, my brother does it, and my brother's just like my dad, and my brother's a farrier now, and he shoes and trains horses and stuff. But man, I don't envy those guys at all because it's like the hardest work you can yeah. imagine. I'm guessing you kind of did that like growing up. Yeah, a bit. yeah, yeah, I did. I, I shot. I, I never really got good at shoeing horses. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause there's an art to that. There's a real art to that, like bending the shoe and stuff with cold on an anvil. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a real art to that, that my dad is amazing at and my brother too. They're both amazing at that, but trimming a horse's feet and, uh, you know, that stuff I did, I trimmed my own horse's feet, did all that shit. Uh, I grew up, you know, roping and working cattle and doing all that stuff. So yeah, I've done it. That's crazy. Yeah. I don't think I can envision you like doing most that people stuff, can't, man. Like, like most people you can't. How you are right now, yeah. I, I can't. I can't see that happening. Yeah, I used to ride horses, dude, every single day, man. Even when I was like five years old, I had a really tall horse, and I would use his front leg like a pole, like a stripper pole, or you know what I mean, or like a rope at gym class. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Just climb. I would up climb his jump. front leg and grab my stirrup and pull myself up on my horse. We used to have Damn. we used to have pictures of me doing that, and there used to be pictures of me like cleaning out my horse's feet when I was like five, six, seven years old. Yeah. yeah I was just a little kid. That's nuts, man. But at least you, you got to experience what a lot of people here don't really get to experience no. though. Yeah. Like, like, Cause a lot of people, we tell them about doing that stuff and they just have no idea. Like, I don't really know what it's like to do all that stuff. Yeah. It's like but, a whole different, it's a completely different world. I have a friend yeah. of mine that I used to ride Harleys with. She's a really good friend of mine. Her name's, she goes by chopper doll. She's kind of an mm-hmm. internet. She is an internet celebrity herself. Um, even though she doesn't revel in it, she completely hates that whole side of it. Side of it yeah. But like, she's very famous in the bike world and, um, she just got into horses. And I guess in the last couple of years, she's bought, I guess, three or four horses. She's built corrals for them and all kinds of stuff. And like on my YouTube channel, there's a, I did like a little, uh, funny trailer. It's not funny. It was a cool little trailer thing. Like, uh, Cause I thought about trying to do like a reality show kind of with her at that time. She was single and now she's in a relationship, but she was in a different place at that time. And I thought about, cause like, she's like a legend in the biker world. So mm-hmm. I did like a little trailer and it's on my uh, YouTube channel. Uh, if you check out my YouTube channel at Rav Holly, YouTube Rav Holly, you can see it. Or actually it's Rav photos on YouTube. Uh, but yeah, so yeah. So she kind of went from Harleys to horses and, and uh, yeah, so I, I grew up with horses and, Man, I've been, I rode horses from the time I was a little, little kid till I was a teenager. And, mm-hmm. But horses never were my things. It was funny because, like, I was all more into dirt bikes. Yeah. Like, my friends, some of my friends that lived around us, they had dirt bikes. And so I got like a little, um, God, it was like a little C, CR50 yeah. or something like that mini bike when I was like seven years old. And then I just moved up into the dirt bikes. I was all into dirt bikes. See, I always wanted to, like, ride bikes and, like, dirt bikes and all that stuff, but my mom, being the protective one, always, no, 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 you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt yourself. Like, dude, come on. Just let me. Nope. Yeah, it, it's yeah. funny, dude. Like, I look at it now, and, and like, my dad always, like, I always had to wear a helmet, you know what mm-hmm. I mean, even when I didn't want to. So I always wore a helmet. I always had a good, nice helmet, but 
man, I look at the crap I used to do on a dirt bike, you know what I mean? But the funny thing is, is I look at these guys now and it's nothing compared. Mm-hmm. Like the suspension on these dirt bikes and stuff now, you know, like I go down to downtown Long Beach, like right before Grand Prix and watch those guys doing like flips and stuff, like right in the middle of the street. And they're like going up three or four stories in yeah, the air. Yeah, they're dude. getting crazy. It's insane. And my dad built me a sand, uh, a hill with a front end loader mm-hmm. on a tractor. And the hill was probably about, God, it was probably nine to 12 foot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I thought that thing was ginormous. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and at that time it was, you know what I mean? Nobody was jumping stuff like that really, mm-hmm. except unless you were on a professional level. But yeah, and so, but it's a wonder that I didn't kill myself on those motorcycles and stuff I was, you know, I was doing in those days. Yeah, like my dad was would tell us stories and stuff about what stuff he would do back in the seventies, and I'm thinking about him like, dude, if we even did half the stuff he did, we'd be in jail. Like you'd still be a minor, but you'd be actually thrown in jail with the big boys. Like these yeah, are yeah. bad. Yeah, and like, well, the funny thing is, is like I watch these guys now, and they're all wearing like full these full pads mm. and you know these whole motocross uniforms and stuff. Dude, I rode a motorcycle in shorts, a pair of cut-off jean shorts, no t-shirt, cut-off jean shorts, and a pair of tennis shoes, dude, yeah. a dirt bike, and a helmet. And I would be flying, because even like the little CR-80s and stuff, dude, they would still, back in those days, mm-hmm. you could still run 60, 70 miles an hour. Fuck. I'd be going through cotton fields, dude, going 60, 70 miles an hour. And one of the worst crashes I ever had is I was going through the cotton field right across from where our house was, uh, and... um there's a lot of oil in that part of Texas mm-hmm. and the oil field had come through there and grazed out a huge ditch because they were, they were uh, laying some kind of polyurethane pipe. Mm-hmm. It was probably about, God, it was probably about three foot or no, it wasn't that one. It's probably about a foot to two foot. It was probably about 18 inches in yeah. diameter. It's a big, it was a big mm-hmm. pipe. And so it was a big ditch. They were, they were digging. And I had ridden this thing, same thing. It was a cotton field across from my house. So every day when I would get on my bike, I would go a different direction. And I knew there was no fences going that way because that was a thing out where I grew up. Because with all the cattle and the horses and things, all, you could run it. You could be hauling ass across a pasture and hit a fence. Yeah. And so that was all my that was my biggest fear all the time was somebody come up and put a fence up and I wouldn't see it. Yeah. And you run into a fence going 60 50 40 60, you know oh you're gonna get mangled you're gonna get mangled yeah so that was always my biggest fear so this this straightaway across from my house was just like straight through this flat cotton filled land you know what mm-hmm. i mean and so like literally i'd hit that thing and man just like throttle all the way back going as fast as a bike would go and i'm hauling ass through this cotton field not really even paying that much attention because i'd done it a hundred times mm-hmm. And I'm flying across there, and I'm probably about a half a mile to a mile from my house, and they had dug a ditch right ag- right oh, across the no. road. And so they have what's called turn roads, and that's actually a road that goes through a field. Yeah. And so if there's a road through a field, it's an indention. Mm-hmm. So it makes an amazing ramp. So you can hit that indention and just fly. Just go flying yeah, go over. flying, right, over the roads. And it's just a dirt road. There's no, like, uh, rock or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just made out of dirt. And, uh, and like, if you took a shovel, you could literally like, but it's just packed ground. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so it is a road and it's got like an indention that goes up like a ramp. So you would hit that thing and fly. And I knew where this road was, you know what I mean? So I would always like be hauling ass across there and be like, okay, my road's coming up. You know, mm-hmm. I kind of get set to jump and I'm going and I'm looking and like my mind didn't comprehend, like what the hell? It's like different. 
So I'm flying along there, man, going like as fast as my motorcycle would go. <laughs> and they had dug a ditch that oh, was about no. four foot wide. It was about four foot wide, and it was probably about three and a half to four foot deep. Oh, shit. And it's right in front of the road. And so by the time, like, I didn't even, like, get the brakes hit good because I it, I didn't comprehend, mm-hmm. like, what it was. And I was going so fast that I thought I could get over it anyway until I realized there was no way. So literally my bike, I tried to pull up on it and it just dropped like a stone into that oh, ditch. Shit. And I went flying like a raggedy and doll, like straight across. You know what I mean? Like I see YouTube videos and stuff. I think, man, that would have been gold on YouTube because oh, yeah, I felt my body like flying through the air and I was upside down. You know what I mean? But I was straight up and down. Like my feet were sticking straight up in the oh, air because I no. went straight over the handlebars. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because the motorcycle literally went boom into the ditch and just stopped. Just complete and, stop. Just and I was holding on to the handlebars trying it. to pull up on the front of it mm-hmm. to try to jump this gap. And it just dropped in. And I just went sailing across upside oh, down no. and landed out there on my back and then just did this like crazy tumble for I don't yeah. even know how long. And the funniest thing about it is, like, in that part of West Texas, it's just desert dirt. Mm-hmm. It's sand. It's that red clay sand. Yeah. But it's just, like, the ground is like the beach, dude. Like, it's that sandy. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I literally hit that shit, and sand went everywhere. And when I finally stopped rolling and tumbling oh, around, shit. like, I stopped, and I could just feel there was sand up underneath my neck, mm-hmm. my helmet. So I pulled my helmet off, dude, and my helmet was full of sand. I put Jesus. raised my face mask up, and it was full. It was full of sand. God damn! And and then I had to get I had to get up, get my motorcycle, and push it home because mm-hmm. it wouldn't start. Oh shit! Yeah. You didn't like break anything or anything? I didn't break it. No, I didn't break a thing. Like I didn't have oh, like shit. I literally didn't have like hardly a mark on me. Like my yeah. arm, you know, where it hit the grip or something, yeah. it had taken some of the skin off my arm. But I did wear gloves. I wore mm. gloves. I did have mo- like motocross gloves yeah. back in those days with the little bumpers on yeah, the fingers the little, like, and stuff like little, that. Little yeah. guards and all I had stuff. to beg my dad to get me a pair. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All my other friends had them. And my dad's like, just wear a pair of gloves like we pitched hay in. You know what I mean? Like, oh, <laughs> cowboy, like cowhide gloves. <laughs> like, you know, see like, some of the people like yeah. nowadays work out with like the construction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's stuff. exactly yeah. what those gloves were. You know, we had a, my da- dad always had like three or four pair laying around in his was pickup. It, was and it stuff. like the gray ones or? No, it was actually like the the. The tanner ones, the yellowish oh, yeah. tan ones. Yeah, he always had those, and he had the gray ones, those white grayish looking mm-hmm. ones. And he usually had those, and they usually had like a cot or a uh, like a fur lining in them, and that's what he wore yeah. during the winter time. But the the cowhide gloves were just the like that tan uh, banana or, or not banana color. They were just like a tan like color, a tannish color. Yeah. yeah, like what you think leather what regular what, yeah. leather looks like. Yeah. Yeah. So did you ever have to do that too? Like actually like like make leather type stuff? No. You know, I actually took an interest to leather because I got a leather kit when I was a kid to, you know, back in the day, this way before I'm showing my age now, way before your time. (laughs) um, One of the things as a kid you could get for Christmas was like a leather set. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why that was an interest for kids back in those days, but like you could get like a, oh, like a, a react. What was those things called? Uh, it was like you could build stuff, like engineering stuff. Uh, reactor. It's not reactor set, but uh, God, I can't think of the name of it. Was it like the thing in the the sandlot where the guys yeah, like making that, stuff? That, yeah, that's exactly what it is. And it's not called the reactor set, but it's called something to that. But you could get one of those or you could get a leather set. And so I got a leather set from somewhere. 
And um, it wasn't for a gift or something. It was a use that somebody gave to my mom or something and they, she gave to me. But it literally has like all of the little tools mm-hmm. to tool leather. And so like I really I, I took a big interest because you could design stuff. And so uh, and you could it had like um, order information in there. Mm-hmm. So you could order these different leather products. And I remember like, or it come with like four or five things you could do, like, like a little change thing, you know, like women used to carry their change in this little change pocket thing. So you could make one of those. And I remember what I did was a a wallet. So I made a wallet for myself and Mm -hmm. and man, I thought like I was the cat's meow dude because I made that leather wallet. Yeah, it was was actually a cool thing. You know, that's, that's one thing that kids don't have enough of these days is like real artistic things to use. You know what I mean? Like the only artistic thing I see them doing is all on the computer, like it's all which is cool. Like them making like movies, like little kids just oh, yeah, making yeah, their yeah, movies yeah. and stuff yeah, like that. True that. Like drawing, but I don't really see like kids going out and like even playing outside. Really, they don't really do much. Remember, Dude, it's I'd all be outside. Xbox yeah. or PlayStation. Four, I used to be outside like playing in a dirt hole and having a blast. Dude, we used to like when I was a kid. Like it didn't, you know, in Texas growing up, it was like everything's about sports. Mm-hmm. So it was all about like whatever sport was on. So like if it was basketball season, dude, we would watch our favorite teams play basketball or watch the finals or whatever. And then we would go find a basketball court and play basketball. All of our friends. Kind of do mean? the same moves yeah. that they do yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. We try to be like professional basketball players. You know what I mean? We'd actually like, okay, I'm going to be Magic Johnson or I'm going to be Larry Bird. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Back in those days. And then, you know, and then when football season come around, we'd go out and we'd play football baseball yeah. we go play baseball you know what i mean it was kind of like whatever we were watching on tv was what we mimicked as kids to play and it's fun and these these kids don't play anything you know if it's nope. not organized sports mm-hmm. like if you don't have your kid like on a p or peewee football team or a t-ball team they, play. Or, they don't play yeah yeah i remember me and my friends uh like all the guys i used to play soccer with like in the actual league after a while, like, the soccer season would be over, but we're like, all right, let's go to the park and just do a pickup game or something. Just go out and just have fun for hours just playing. Hours, dude. Like, all day long. Like, yeah. literally, like, we would go play baseball. We would walk to the baseball fields, where, which were a ways away. We'd walk to the baseball fields, and we would get there probably around 10 or 11 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And all we knew is we had to be home before dark. Yeah, once the lights start once coming light, on. Yeah. And then we would be home. bitching. Oh, man. And, you know, we've been out there all day long mm-hmm. dude in this texas summer heat you know people oh, are bet, such pansies now yeah, you know what i, I mean that's so horrible like just hot ridiculous. we didn't even think anything about it at that at time you know it was like oh we'd be like oh my god it's hot you know what mm-hmm. i mean and we would take water or ba- kool-aid mm-hmm. you know we'd take like a, a thermos of kool-aid or something with us you know what i mean that was the big drink when i was a kid was kool-aid, Kool-Aid. yeah because we were kids and we could make that ourselves if our yeah, moms were put work, as much sugar as put possible as much sugar as you want and the two or three packs of kool-aid and go yeah. you know what i mean so we would have our Kool-Aid or, you know, whatever, or water. But, like, we would literally stay out there all damn day mm-hmm. long. And if our parents knew if they wanted to come find us, we are at the baseball field. Yeah. Do you ever steal uh, water from people's hoses and stuff? Yeah, all the time. Just go yeah. on, just turn it on, yep. let it run for a little bit, and then go. Yep. We yeah. would actually, you know, we would do that just walking through neighborhood yeah, or whatever. Just, it's we'd like, see oh, somebody's it's hot. house. Yeah. We're like, yeah, oh, there's a water hose. Let's go, let's go get a drink. And you turn it on, and you, if you turn it, was a big mistake. Only 
people that have done this know this. It's a huge <laughs> mistake if it was hot as hell outside and you turned the water on immediately drink. Yep. Because the water tastes exactly like the hose and the water was hot because it was all the water that had been laying in the hose. And so everyone's you, done that. Yep, mistake everybody's done do that. Yeah. Yep. So you turned it on it and you let it run for a minute and fill the water and let it get cold and then you drink out of Nothing's it. Nothing's worse than getting that hot, oh, scalding that hot, rubber hose oh, water. Oh, dude, it was the worst, man. Because it tastes just like a, the yeah, rubber hose so smell. Yeah. Sometimes you get like those little bugs that just hide inside oh, of it at times. Yeah, it's so horrible. Man, like after dude, a while, like I'd still do it. Like when I was in high school, I'd still do it. I'd be walking home, like fuck, it's hot. No, fuck, I'll grab a hose. And people stop doing that. I'm like, dude, it's water. It's like yeah. 90 degrees out here. I'm grabbing some water. Like relax. It's not making your bill go crazy high. Dude, I can tell you something that I've done that probably, man, like probably not too many. I bet you there's probably not too many people in the whole city of LA that's done this. When I was a kid and we Mm. would be working cattle, like sometimes we would be out on acres and acres and acres of land. Mm -hmm. You know, my dad, that's what he does. He works cattle. And, you know, so like if there was a rancher that needed to basically what it means to work cattle is you bring them in for shipping to ship them out to where they're going to the killers. Mm -hmm. Well, that's probably not going to go over well in California, (laughs) but it's they're shipping out to be, you know, made into food, made into food. There (laughs) you go. And so, um, but like we are, you know, even if you go out just to check on your cattle, mm-hmm. basically you, you load your horses in a trailer and you, in a pickup, and then you drive down to your pasture land and then you get on your horses and you ride going and looking for your cattle mm-hmm. and you count the cattle. Sometimes you have to rope and doctor the cattle if they're yeah. sick or if they have pink eye or something. And, uh, one thing that we would do with my dad and I, and my, me by myself at times is you're out on this pasture land. So you take a canteen with you, but you fill it up at a windmill. Mm-hmm. And so during the summertime, like you would find like where the cattle are watering their cattle area, or you would find the windmill on this property or this pasture land, and you would ride up there, get off your horse, and you would drink straight out of the pipe coming out of the ground, oh, coming man. out of the windmill. And it's like the water has this weird taste to it mm-hmm. because it is being pumped up by a windmill. And so there's all these rods going down as that make the pump Mm -hmm. to use that that makes the water come up from the ground but it's like the most cool refreshing water you could kind of like straight mineral water straight mineral water that's a perfect example Mm -hmm. it says that's exactly what you get out of it's like a a completely straight mineral water and it was probably like it wasn't ice cold water like Mm -hmm. you know your refrigerator water but it was such a cool refreshing it was like the perfect temperature it's just coming out of the ground like it was it was just it's something you can't explain unless you actually did it but it was like you know it was something that i took for granted as a kid mm-hmm. growing up you know and then i think about it, back to it now and it was like it's like an magical experience now you know yeah. thinking about it have you ever been to those spots like around like certain areas where you turn on you go to the water fountain turn it on it's all murky you can just see the chlorine inside the water oh yeah it's that yeah it's, it's i look at it, i'm like nah nah yeah when i know. moved when i moved out here like um i was like the water in texas is horrible mm-hmm. it's safe to drink supposedly but like it comes from lakes and then during the summertime it gets so hot in texas and it's so humid in north texas mm-hmm. where dallas is that the water kind of stagnates or it gets this uh, algae buildup in the water mm-hmm. so your out your freaking water can be green it can be brown Ooh. and it tastes like algae and they, but they tell you it's still safe mm-hmm. to drink but man, it don't taste, you know what I mean? It don't taste good at all. Yeah. So when I moved out here, like I checked, you know, like, uh, I checked the water and like, 
they were talking about the you know Long Beach is one of the cleanest waters. You know, they, they're mm-hmm. recognized for how clean their city water is and stuff. And it was funny, but I didn't realize at the time it's so freaking clean because all the freaking chemicals they're putting in it. You know yeah. what I mean? All the chlorine and all the crap they're putting into it. Which is like make foggy it, mercury. Yeah, to make it clean. Yeah. It's fog, like just ugh. so murky sometimes. You see it and you're just like, I don't know if I want to drink this, but I'm thirsty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like. And it's so funny because we're so spoiled on bottled water now. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think about drinking out of the tap, and I'm like, ugh, that's disgusting. <laughs> I would never, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like, it's just water. And, you know, there's no, you know, they say scientifically, you know, bottled water may be dirtier than yeah. tap water. You know what I mean? Like, if we run out of, like, our five-gallon jug of water, I'll be drinking out of the tap. It's no bother yeah, me, yeah. but everybody else kind of freaks, freaks out. Freaks out, yeah. yeah. You're drinking out of the tap. But yeah. uh, my friend, she had, like, at her old house, her whole entire house was filtered. Had the big yeah, filtration yeah, system. Yeah, 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 that's the way to do it. So you can be like taking a shower, drinking the water, grab the hose. It's just the freshest water you've ever drank. It's amazing. Yeah, when I lived in Huntington Beach, my old boss, Kim Pavia, he had a water filtration system on his that he used. And uh, I think it, I could be mistaken here. You'd have to talk to him. But I'm pretty sure it was like a revo- reverse osmosis system. Mm-hmm. So it took, it literally, like you would have to take this machine up and he would have you do it in the guest bathroom upstairs and you would like turn it like screw the this hose onto the faucet Mm -hmm. and then turn it on and it would go through this process but it basically filtered the water down to one part per million of any contaminants so it was like the cleanest water Mm -hmm. and i think this machine was like it wasn't cheap it was like fifteen hundred dollars two thousand dollars something like that but the water dude was absolutely amazing when he was telling me about it, I was like, dude, it's water's water. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. go get you some Fiji water. It's the same shit. You know what <laughs> I mean? But then you would drink that water and, and like, we had one of those canister things in the refrigerator mm-hmm. that, like, you get, like, at Walmart or whatever, and it's just got the spout on it. Yeah. So we just poured it directly in the canister and kept it in the refrigerator. So you just open the door up and just pour your water. Dude, people would come, neighbors would come over. Other <laughs> fighters would come from the gym. At Huntington Beach Ultimate yeah. Training Center, they would drive over just to fill their water canister up. So it was crazy. Yeah, <laughs> that's dope. But it was it was it was such a clean, uh, it was a clean, refreshing. There was no aftertaste to it. Mm-hmm. Like you can't explain unless you tried the water. It's kind of like the windmill water. Yeah. And um, so you've been to multiple places throughout your career and all that stuff. So Texas, you grew up there, mm-hmm. came here, experienced LA. You've gone in your experience there. Like, and I know you've gone to like other countries and all that stuff. Which one do you, would you say is your favorite spot to be at? Like on a vacation spot, like favorite place to go to. Um, my favorite city is of all the cities I've been to is very cliche. It's Paris. Mm -hmm. And I've been to Paris several times now, but I don't know, just something about Paris. You know, I've been to Spain, I've been to Rome. But there's just something about London. I've been to London, but there's just something about Paris. I can't explain what it is. I don't know what it is about Paris, but I love the city of Paris. I love the people there, even though they're, you know, it's a bad reputation that people talk about how snooty they are and stuff. And they're, they're not that snooty. They're a little snooty, but you know, Paris is just, it's a magical, magical city. Uh, But it's very expensive. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was a time like, you know, when I first went to Paris, I was like, oh man, I want to move here. You know what I mean? And like, it's like every, not every photographer's fantasy, but it's a little fantasy about being a photographer. You know, like if you could make it, you know, shooting in Paris, you know what I mean? Would be like 
the zen for a fashion photographer. Yeah. I'm not really a fashion photographer. I'm more of a commercial photographer. Mm -hmm. But if I could do like nice, big, extravagant photo shoots around Paris, I mean, that would just be like, you know, the cat's yeah. meow. But do you think it could have been like the history that attracted you to it? Like all the buildings and the, the architecture? Yeah. yeah, I love the architecture. The funny thing about Paris, though, is like the architecture is amazing, but everything looks the same. Yeah. All the buildings are the same, dude. Like when you're in like that Mecca, like where the all the hotels and stuff are, uh, the downtown or not the downtown area because it's like a regular city. But over like where the Ritz is, where the Eiffel Tower mm -hmm. is, where all the museums are, all of those buildings are very, very similar. So it's a very it's a city that's very easy to get lost in. Mm -hmm. Like I I left my hotel one morning about ten o'clock to go out for a day hike that I expected to be back about two thirty or three o'clock. And I got back at 10, 11 at night because oh, I was lost. Yeah. I got, I literally got lost because the buildings and the streets all look the same. There's no distinguishing. Like I'm very good distinguishing with landmarks and stuff. Mm -hmm. There's no distinguishing those buildings because every street looks, looks the, the same because the buildings are the same. They're just cut yeah. a little bit different. I would hate to be lost in like another country and you don't really speak the language. Just that that was, that was crazy. Cause I like, I was like trying to think I need to get a cab, you know, cause I knew where, what hotel I was in, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And it was funny because like the time I completely was give out, I was too tired. I was just like, I need to just get a cab and get back to the hotel. I'll look up and my hotel was right in front of me. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Like I didn't even know it, you know, I thought yeah. I was like miles away from my hotel and I look up and it was right in front of me. Um, I actually, but on the flip side of that is I love Mexico City. Mm. I love Mexico City. Mexico City gets such a bad rap, and you know I'm sure there's kidnappings going on and murder, and that's in any spot any really city, though. Dude. That's it's anywhere. Any, all that stuff's going on, but I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a propaganda machine that you know is going on down there with trying to keep Amer keep Americans from going down there to spend money. I don't know exactly what's going on. I do know that. There's a lot of truth in what's going on with the brutality mm -hmm. of going down there with the, the Mexican cartels and stuff, yeah. killing each other. But they're not killing Americans. They're killing each other. Yeah, because you know I, mean? I would guess the Americans are the their money maker. That like is everyone's their bread coming and butter. By, yeah. yeah, that's everyone's their bread and spending butter. spending a shitload of is, money. Is the tourist industry, is their bread yeah. and butter. Uh, so, yeah, if you're a gringo down there, you know, I was just in Texas, you know, visiting with my dad and my brother. And like, oh, no, no, no. They're killing Americans over there left and right, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like. I don't see that on the news, you know, yeah. or, you know, are, really? I really haven't seen that. You know, I know one couple got killed, like, right on the border or something like mm -hmm. that, got kidnapped and killed, but there was a big thing written about that, you know what I mean? And that's bad, you know, that's really, really bad publicity for the Mexican government, yeah, the, you know, exactly. the cartels themselves. That's the last thing they want is us to invade over there like we did Iraq, you know what I mean? Exactly. To, to take care of business, basically. Old Hell's Angels say, <laughs> <laughs> like, TCB. Um, so you you, in throughout your career of doing photography, you've met a lot of like celebrities and stuff like that, huh? Mm -hmm. I I have, yeah. Do you ever get like starstruck? Have you ever gotten like just amazingly starstruck, like just like old shit? You know, um, I've never really been, I've never I've never been taken like that uh, with mm -hmm. people, uh, you know. The first celebrities I met were in the mixed martial arts, mm -hmm. uh, were the mixed martial arts uh, fighters and stuff. And uh, so it was a little bit smaller scale, but in the world I was in, they were big celebrities. You yeah. know what I mean? Like Tito Ortiz and, you know, um, Phil Baroni, uh, 
you know, that was a, that was a guy that I had watched him pride for years. So, you know, I, I've crashed out on Phil's couch in Vegas one time. You know what I mean? It's like, so those guys were big celebrities to me, you know, and I'd watched Phil fighting on TV in Japan for pride back before I even like made my move to get into that mix, to get into the industry myself. Yeah. So those guys were celebrities to me, but, um, I think hanging around with those guys, you know, guys that I, you know, like my roommate, you know, I'd watch him fight on, you know, I'd watch him fight on TV. Mm -hmm. You know, I got on TV a couple of times, you know, just being in his background. Um, and so I don't know, I think that kind of built me up to, to meet bigger celebrities. Mm -hmm. So when I started meeting like bigger A-list celebrities, like they're just people, you know what I mean? And the easiest way to get in with a celebrity is don't treat them any different from a regular normal person, a normal person. You know what I mean? And that's, that's, kind of the way I look at it. You know, I don't treat them any different. You know, I just treat them like if they're guys like one of my boys and if they're girls, like mm-hmm. just like a regular chick. Yeah, dude. Because there's some people who just freak the fuck out, man. Well, that's, you know, it's, it's <laughs> funny. Like when you hang around with celebrities, you get to, you experience that mm-hmm. firsthand because you see the way people act yeah. when you're with them. And it's absolutely ridiculous sometimes. Like, you know, um, I would love to, I'm not saying I would want to be famous, but, you know, I mean, you work to try to get your name out there and establish yourself and get a little bit of fame, whether it's through social media or whatever it is. But, like, I could never want to be that famous on that level Mm -hmm. that is an A-list celebrity. Where you can't even walk anywhere. Oh, dude, like, no, no, no. It would would be so claustrophobic to me, man, like, because I like, I love to be able to just go do my own Mm -hmm. thing. You know what I mean? And, like, when I just drove back from Dallas to here, like, dude, if I want to stop at a restaurant or a restroom or whatever, mm-hmm. I don't want to have to be thinking logistics to do it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, okay, I need to pull around to the side. I need to leave the car running. I need to see if I can sneak in and get to the bathroom and get out without being recognized. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or because you're Always tired. Being, like, hidden with yeah. something covering your face. Yeah, it's, you know, and, and, you know, like, people, like, us regular Joes us regular uh, us regular folk you know we don't we go we look at all of the advantages to it mm-hmm. oh well you know they're celebrities they went after that lifestyle they knew what they were getting into now they're rich they're multimillionaires yeah. that's the price you pay all of that stuff but in the long run they're still human beings dude yeah. and it's still a very and- dude it's like living in a fishbowl literally mm-hmm. it's like living in a fishbowl and dude, I've walked the red carpet with celebrities. I've, you know, been in cities around the world with celebrities and it's a, it's, they have. And then the funny thing, the funniest thing about it is like, we look at these celebrities, like we put them up on these huge pedestals. Mm-hmm. And then when you're working like in the mix with these celebrities, you really do get to see like when they're treated like a commodity. When they're treated, um, when, you know, they, they really are, they're a commodity. Their name is a commodity and they're treated as such. Like we put them up on these huge pedestals because mm-hmm. they're these huge celebrities. But when they're doing an engagement, they're like a, a the brand new C7 2015 Corvette. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They just become an object. And they're called talent. Yeah. You know what I mean? They don't say, hey, go get Brad Pitt and Angelia and tell them, you know, their spots up. It's time for their spot. They go, where's the talent? Yeah. You know, they, it's just, it's a weird, it's a weird dynamic. It's a very shallow dynamic too. And you see like, you know, and then, and then you don't, 
you don't realize like when they're doing press tours and stuff, which I did the Savages press tour mm-hmm. uh, in 2012 for the Oliver Stone movie Savages. I did the complete press tour with all of the, the cast and we flew all over the world. Yeah. And you don't realize like how demanding those press tours are. Like I could not fathom how demanding they are. Like you're literally doing <clears throat> like every city you go to. So let's say you go to uh, London. We went to London. So you get to London. So you have a scheduled time to be there. So the all, all the cast meet at this one place and every media outlet that's approved yeah. for an interview come in and interview you. So basically as you're a celebrity sitting, cause we see it on like entertainment tonight or access Hollywood. You know what I mean? We see mm-hmm. their little interview, but what you don't realize is the celebrity is doing that same interview for every Just, different news channel oh, and TV man. show yeah. Over and over and over that, would get that so entire tiring. day. Yeah. So like, let's say, uh, let's say you get there uh, and the first one is entertainment tonight. Mm-hmm. So the host for entertainment tonight comes in and sits down and you're sitting there and then they start interviewing you. So you go through that interview, entertainment tonight, host gets up and leaves, access Hollywood comes in and sits down, goes through the same type questions. Yeah. They've each got their same questions, but it's like Groundhog Day and they do it over and over oh and over God. and over. That would get so It's tiring. so crazy. Yeah. Like, and you know, people go, well, they're multimillionaires and they make all these millions of dollars. They do, but believe me, dude, they work, they yeah. do work for their money, man. They're and that's what, the, that's the what most people it. don't realize. Like models, you know, mm-hmm. like people think like, you know, they hear like a model makes $10,000 for a day. Oh my God, that's so easy. And it's funny because I love shooting with, I love shooting with amateurs mm-hmm. or I love shooting. You know, I worked for the TV show Millionaire Matchmaker that my good friend Tiffany Brazil got me uh, in on that. And uh, she still works for the show. And uh, she got me in uh, doing photography for, um, for Patty show on Bravo TV. I don't know if you're mm-hmm. familiar with it. And so I would shoot a lot of their amateur girls cause the girls have to have decent pictures. Yeah. They have to have good professional pictures. So that was my job was shooting a lot of the girls that came in for recruitment for that show. <clears throat> and the other part, cause there's a whole other side of that show. That's not on the, it's actual business. This mm-hmm. is just a business. It's not broadcast on the show. And so I would shoot these girls and I love working with amateurs. But the funniest thing about it is when you work with these amateurs, what you get out of them a lot of times they'll always say is like, Oh my God, I had no idea modeling was this entailed. Yeah, yeah. This hard. This is like not easy. Yeah. And it's, and that's why these girls, you know, that are doing it professionally and making a living at it or making a lot of money doing it. Cause it's not that easy. Isn't it like hours upon hours? Of it can be shooting? hours upon hours upon hours. Mm-hmm. There's an old video on YouTube that used to be able to see uh, with my favorite photographer, Helmut Newton, and he was shooting Cindy Crawford. Yeah. And they were shooting up in the Hollywood Hills at a Hollywood Hills home. And, but the thing about it is, is it was in the wintertime. And even though it doesn't get that cold here in California, the outside temperature was probably still 50 degrees and it was, wasn't a heated pool. And the shoot started like that morning and they wrapped it that night. So she had been submerged in and out of this pool the whole day long. And you could just see on her face. It was funny because like watching the video of the shoot, the BTS video, the mm-hmm. behind the scenes video of the shoot, you could literally see how drained she was every time she come out of that pool. But every time she went into that pool, she put that little spark back in her eye, that little step, you know, that little step in her step and really 
put her professional facade mm-hmm. on to make to make and get the shot. Yeah. And she would come out of that pole and she looked like she'd just been hit by a truck. And that's just it's experience crazy. and just learning how to do it over time, just consecutively yeah, yeah, doing it. Because she was a consummate professional. She's yeah. modeled all over the world and she knew exactly how to do it and exactly how to I'll just turn on how that. to up her yeah. game. Yeah. And and that's what all these celebrities have is that switch mm-hmm. where they can, you know, when they're in that spot, they know how to turn that switch on and become a celebrity. Yeah. And it's basically they're two different people. You know, they're they're their celebrity side and then they're their real person side mm-hmm. and that's a th- the other thing about when you're hanging out with celebrities is that you learn is it's like they have this you know this especially with actors they have this two different sides to them mm-hmm. so like one i'm not going to mention any names but one of my friends one of my best friends is a very uh influential actor mm-hmm. and he's known worldwide and he um you know i hang out with him and just like you jose who i've known for a long time yeah we have a cool relationship and mm-hmm. we're bros and that kind of stuff and we're good friends. But uh, your hooray for Jose is like another side of you that I yeah. really didn't know. And celebrities are like that too. So like I watch my buddy and like these iconic movies that he's been in and that's like some dude I've never met that I mm-hmm. don't really know because I know this guy. You know the real person. I know the real person. Yeah. yeah. So I see him acting in, in different movies and stuff and I think it's cool but – that's like some other dude because the funny thing about it is like some of the characters he portrays, he is not that person mm-hmm. at all in real life. That's why I think that's why like a lot of people get like upset or kind of disappointed when they meet, especially with like comedians, I guess. They'll meet a comedian and expect him to be that exact same exactly. way. And when you meet him, they're just normal. Like, hey, I was a, dude, like, you, blah, blah. you pegged it right and, there, man. Because like it's so funny because like as people watching people doing their art form, Mm-hmm. So if it's comedians or, you know, like, uh, like Jim Carrey or, mm-hmm. you know, some big comedian that was, you know, he, like Jim Carrey was probably the last huge movie comedian. You know what I mean? Like, and when you see them in person, you think that's just how they are. Yeah. You don't realize, dude, that's a complete entire act. It's a complete act. They're not like that person at all, mm-hmm. but you, but you see them and they, they're so convincing. That's why they're actors. They're co- so convincing in their act that you think that's who they yeah, are. And then you're so, paid disapp- so much for what they're you're doing. You're so disappointed when you meet them in person and they're just like some regular person. You know what I mean? You're like, well, say what you, you know, say this again. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, you know what I, I mean? I think the group of people that are actually the way that they seem on TV would probably have to be the people from Jackass or at least like John Oxford yeah, 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 and Steve-O. Yeah, exactly. Them. It's so funny you yeah. mentioned that. I just watched uh, Bad Grandpa last night. Oh, my God. Hilarious, so funny. Hilarious, dude. If you have a, Hilarious. If you have Netflix. Yeah, I watched that too. Yeah, the point .5. You had the point .5 and then point yeah. .5 unrated, like bonus yeah. features yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, Oh, I don't know if I – Yeah, there's they have, two, there's of, two them. of them. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I watched the regular point .5 last night. I watched the unrated. Yeah. yeah. But that is comedy gold, dude. And oh, I actually, God, so funny. I didn't even care anything about watching it. I watched the jackasses and stuff and they make me kind of go oh you know mm. what i mean with some of the stuff they do like some of it's funny and some of it's so gross that it's uncomfortable <laughs> for, you know i'm just like out it's all good i'll just take a pass yeah. uh but like uh, i heard i was listening to the joe rogan uh experience mm-hmm. uh, on my trip to dallas in the car and they were talking about the bad grandpa and how comedy gold it was and i was like okay i gotta see it yeah, so, it's so funny it's hilarious dude i mean comedy gold it's yeah, hilarious it's they have i don't know how they think of the stuff and that little kid has some serious balls, man. Dude, he is hilarious, though. You know what I mean? I yeah. mean, like, it's acting, what he was doing. And, mm-hmm. I mean, he was freaking nailing it. You know what I mean? It's it's just hilarious. Like, I watched some uh, interviews on multiple shows, like, about Johnny Knoxville talking about this little kid. And I guess they had, he had worked with them before. And I guess they're thinking of who should we get. And he's like, oh, let me bring him in. 
just because he knew like right away he was a little jerk like he was awesome but he was just a little jerk like he'll do something and he'll do it to the extreme yeah it was funny because like he was better than johnny knoxville johnny oh, yeah. knoxville he, had the convincing makeup and stuff on mm-hmm. but like they're riding in the car and he's and uh the little kid told him like three yeah. or four times like why don't you try to talk like an older guy or like an old man <laughs> and and johnny knoxville's like what he's like why don't you try to talk like an old man and so Johnny Knoxville puts on his old man voice. Oh, how does this sound? And the kid goes, "You sound like Johnny Knoxville." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kid's funny. I guess they, yeah. Johnny taught him how to like tell, give someone a high five. But why were you going to do it? Just like you hit him in the nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess he, fun, he did hilarious. that to like Jeff Tremaine yeah, and all yeah, that stuff. That was hilarious. I saw that. Yeah, if you guys haven't seen it, definitely check it out. Bad Grandpa. Oh, uh, dude, awesome it's hilarious. movie. And it's I was really disappointed though because like the actual movie is mm-hmm. actually not on Netflix. Yeah. The movie itself is but, not on Netflix, yeah, they the but they have these though. bonus features that they've just released on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what in the fuck is that? Yeah. You know what I mean? But I will say that there are places out there on the internet that the whole that movie you can, is. Yeah. You can see it. Yeah. And if you have like on demand, I'm sure it's on there. Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. If you find on demand somewhere. Yeah. yeah it's, it's I think it probably Amazon on demand is coming yeah. it way up. So yeah, I'm Amazon sure. Amazon Prime is yeah, awesome. You can see it on Amazon Prime. I'm pretty sure. Oh my God. I love that site. Yeah, we were just talking about a uh, photo junkie, which is my uh, Facebook group, my photography mm-hmm. Facebook group. We were just talking about copyright issues, and so I can't say that you know go out there and find a pirated you know because yeah, that's. But I'm sure if you pay for the subscription, yes, it's going to be on there. Yes, exactly. And if any, if even if you have the subscription, like to actually like rent the movie on its own, because I know they have instant video on Prime. Yeah, yeah, on Prime. But uh, I think it's like a hundred bucks a month or something, or a hundred bucks a year. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. a year, yeah. But then you also get, like, also discounts on all sorts of other stuff. And but there's also iTunes. You can get it yeah. on iTunes. It's like two or three bucks, I think, to, like, run a movie. Oh, but you're a droid loser. You don't have iTunes. No, actually, yeah, I do. <laughs> I have iTunes <laughs> no, I on say, my yeah, computer. You can, you can use iTunes anywhere. Yeah. yeah. But I still think it's better on, on Mac. Yeah. I'd prefer, like, a, a Mac uh, computer, like an Apple computer, than a PC. But PC can do a little bit different stuff. Dude, I went to, I was, I was like, I'm the biggest Mac fanboy now, mm-hmm. but I was like the anti-Mac dude for years. Mm-hmm. Like I built my own PC, my first one back in like 93, 94, when, com- when nobody had a computer, mm-hmm. like literally nobody had a computer. I was one of the first people like, you know what I mean? I'm not talking about in, I'm not, in, in my there, area, yeah. in my area, I was probably the first person in my area that had a computer. And I, I basically built it and, uh, and I got into computers from a buddy of mine who was a coast guard. We had been in the coast guard and him and I worked at embassy suites in Dallas and, uh, we were both building engineers, which is, uh, an ex- it's a extravagant title for a freaking maintenance guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we worked there together and he had, he had been in the coast guard so he was huge into computers in the Coast Guard. Yeah. And so back in the day, there was a, a game called uh, Doom. Oh, no, Doom. Yeah, Doom. And uh, I'd never seen anything like that. And he he's like, and he was like talking about computers. And I'm like, dude, that's for freaking nerds, bro. Like, why would you, like, what are you, what are you talking about? Computers. He's like, no, man, you got to like check it out. Like, I'll show you this game. He goes, he goes, I'll show you this game and you'll be hooked. And I was like, dude, I don't give a shit about computers, dude. I like to play golf. I watch yeah. the Cowboy. You know what I mean? That kind of shit. I was like, I don't care about, you know, enjoy your computers, <laughs> yeah. bro. And, like, nobody had, there. this was, like, right at the dawn of the internet. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, nobody, like, 
it was this little thing that was coming out that people were starting to get wind of, but nobody yeah. knew anything about it really. And people would like be talking about it. And so, um, like he couldn't convince me. So this freaking dude, Bill Hill is his name. He brings his computer to work one day. He packs it and it's like a PC. Yeah. One of the oh, big yeah, freaking big. things. He had like a Packard bell. Mm-hmm. It was a 486 <laughs> Packard bell. Yeah. And, uh, and so, and it and that computer at that time was the Packard, the, the, the 486 DX had just come out. So it was the shit, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, there went your cricket. And so, uh, <laughs> uh, we're, we're, he bring, he packs his computer up and brings it to work and we set it up in one of the vacant rooms that was not going to be leased out because it was, it was been out of commission for sweet care. What was called sweet care yeah. where you go in and do a revamp on the room. So he set his computer up and played doom like we were evening shift engineers mm. so like during the evening after nine o'clock the hotel would settle down and you basically had lunch and just kind of piddled around the hotel so we literally sat there and played doom and i was hooked bro i was like i gotta have oh, one a fun of these game, man and like i remember going out and looking at the the computer at the time and i think the one he had was like eighteen hundred dollars mm-hmm. and this was in the 90s dude yeah. that didn't sound like much money today that'd be more like fifty eight hundred dollars today yeah. i was like so I ended up another hotel, the Sheraton, were changing out their, their computers and their mainframe. So they used to have what was called, uh, I don't know if they were called, they were dummy systems or basically what, or what were they called? They were basically a computer, mm-hmm. but it was basically run off the server in the basement. But it was a real computer. It just didn't have a hard drive in it because the hard drive was in the basement. Yeah. And so, but it was a real computer. And so when they went to, to upgrade, their old systems were like these 286DXs that were now being obsolete because the 486s had just come out. Mm. But I, I asked them if I could have one, and they gave me one. So I took one of the old systems and ordered a new board for it and made a 386DX out of it, I believe. Oh, shit. And it had a 10 megahertz boost on it. And I remember it still wasn't good enough. It wasn't good enough to be like 486, but it was close. But then, like... The original, when I started it up, like Doom was choppy. Mm-hmm. Like it was like real, you know what, cho- you know what yeah. I'm talking about? The like game choppy. It was so stuff, yeah. choppy. Like you couldn't even play it. And so that's why I decided to upgrade it. So I ordered a new motherboard, a new chip and everything and upgraded it. And then I kept that computer until I bought my first real computer in, God, it was probably 96 or 97. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bought a Sony Vio that was like had a TV card built into it. I could hook my cable up to it, watch my picture in picture while I was working on it. Mm. Yeah, it was the shit. Like it was, and it was funny because that was right when Mac was revamping and trying to come back, yeah. you know. And like I looked at the Macs, I'm like, that's a waste of money, dude. This one's got a TV in it and everything. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like yeah. a couple hundred dollars cheaper. You know what I mean? So that's why I went with the Sony. And uh, but then in 2010. I'd been Dell, so I tried uh, my company that I worked for uh, in Dallas, which was a refrigeration company at one time. They went with Gateway. Mm-hmm. Gateway got really big, and they went with Gateway uh, in the late 90s, <clears throat> which had really started building a name for themselves. But then Dell hit the market, and so I uh, kind of did some research on Dell, and it was Dell was uh, their main corporate office, and where they built the computers were in Austin, Texas. Yeah. So I was all about, you know, keeping it, you know, local and mm-hmm. supporting local business. So I ordered a Dell. And so from 
God, probably in 2000, 99, 2000, I was all Dell. I had a mm-hmm. Dell laptop. I still have a Dell XPS, the nice They're, Dell laptop. Dell is a really good company. It's a really good company, but, and so I had a Dell XPS, two XPS, the, at the XPS laptop and then the nice uh, Dell Dimensions mm-hmm. desktop. And uh, with the dual monitors and everything, and I thought I was pretty cool with that system. But then in 2010, dude, I just like, my old boss, Kim Pavi, I went over to his place in Huntington Beach, and he had one of those brand new 27-inch iMacs. Yeah. And I'm like, that's what I got to have right there. <laughs> those things are fucking They're bitching. badass, yeah. And then, but I had like droid phones, mm-hmm. so I was all about no, like I had the droid Incredible with Verizon. As soon as Verizon got a smartphone, their first one was the droid Incredible, and I had it phone was a piece of crap i mean mm-hmm. it was glitchy and had a, a thing where it would always tell me the memory was full and i mean it was just the most frustrating bullshit and um so and then i but i kept stepping up through droids and every single one i would have problems with them mm-hmm. and so uh, a friend of mine or i for a gift i got an ipad one of the old first ipads mm-hmm. like three or four years ago and uh, I love that thing, dude. I love the, I mean, I was addicted to it instantly. Yeah, they're, and they're a lot of fun. You can do so much with them. Do so much with them. And But somebody was telling me, like, like I had my iPad, and they're like, dude, you have, like, an iPad, and then you have, like, a droid Thunderbolt? Like, what is <laughs> that about? And I'm like, well, yeah, I can't stand the iPhone, man. I would never freaking have a freaking iPhone. Blah, blah, blah. They're just overpriced bullshit, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, you have an iPad. Why would you get an iPad? Well, you know, I get it as a gift. And like, well, you know, the iPad is the iPhone. It's just a bigger version of an iPhone. I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, it's the same. I'm like, it's. I thought it was like two totally different systems. They're like, no, they're exactly alike. You just can't make phone calls with same your with iPad. Like the iPod and all that I'm stuff. like, what? I'm like, no way. So I went into a store and played with an iPhone. This was before Verizon had the iPhone though. Mm-hmm. But I went into a store and played with the iPhone. I'm like, dude, I've got to have one of these. So um, my last Droid Charge which I got through, I bro- I literally threw one of them on the ground and broke it because I was so pissed off with the phone, so frustrated with the phone one night after I was had a few cocktails yeah. and it wouldn't work right. <laughs> and so I got another one through insurance and paid $99 for it and was hoping that it wouldn't have the same problems as the one that I threw on the ground did. Hmm. And within two weeks, dude, it started having same the same thing. problems. So I was so frustrated with droids, man. I was like, that's it. I've had it. So I literally had paid 350 for that droid charge through Verizon. Mm-hmm. I got the cradle charger for it three other batteries for it and ended up throwing it on the ground and breaking it, but it had insurance on it. So I had to pay another $99 though oh, for the insurance yeah. to get another replacement. So I got my replacement and then within a week I was already over it and I went and bought a, an iPhone. iPhone. So I spent a fortune on two phones. Right before you <laughs> made weeks. the switch. Yeah. So I'm no, I made the switch. I got the iPhone. Yeah. yeah. I bought the droid charge and then another droid charge and then an iPhone. But I've got an the iPhone 4. I got the iPhone 4 uh, like right before the S came out. Mm-hmm. And I never even upgraded to the S. I never owned the iPhone 4S. I had the 32 gig iPhone 4. And I had it till I got the iPhone 5 like two or three months ago. Yeah, I hear, I don't know, I'm, I'm a big Android person, but my Galaxy S2 is just fucking, it's pretty much halfway taking a shit on me. Yeah. It's so I mean, beat up. It's. You know, the thing about it is, is like, I, I mean, I know people love their, they love their, they love their droids, mm-hmm. but I think it's just because you haven't used an iPhone. No, I have, like, I, 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 I use, I mess around with, like, my sister's iPhones and all that stuff, and, you know, my but Jeff has one, oh, yeah, yeah, always on their yeah, stuff, but, 
I don't know. I just can't see myself owning one. That's what I thought that too, man. I thought, yeah. cause I thought they kind of look like pansy, you know, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. it's that pansy iPhone crap and stuff. I just think my thumbs are too big for it. It's funny. <laughs> I remember going to the fights, uh, in, um, uh, San Diego. Mm-hmm. I was shooting, uh, God, what was I shooting? What was that called down there? It was called, um, something combat. I can't remember. Um, but I was shooting the fights down there and, uh, I got down there and I was sitting Kate's side, total combat mm-hmm. in San Diego. And I was sitting down there and, uh, first time I ever saw Dominic Cruz, mm-hmm. who's the UFC, uh, Bantamweight champion now, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Give me a line to you. Uh, no lightweight. Shh. I know he fought. Um, yeah. Bantamweight, I believe. Uh, anyway, uh, He's a local San Diego boy. Mm-hmm. So I was down there shooting that, and I was Cade's side, and it was funny because I actually got a little bit of a, a complex because I was sitting there Cade's side with all these other photographers. Every single one of those photographers had an iPhone. Oh, and shit. this was in the three 3S days. Mm-hmm. And they all had the iPhone. And I was the only one that didn't have an iPhone. I had like a, no, I had a, a Trio at that time. Mm-hmm. Remember that? I don't even remember that nah, phone, do you? No, not at all. Because the keyboard phones were the shit. When yeah. I moved to when I moved out here in 2006, 2006, the keyboard phones, mm-hmm. like the uh, the BlackBerry, the yeah. the coolest phone to have at that time in 2006 was the uh, Trio mm-hmm. with a keypad on it. It was called a. Uh, you could get it through Verizon. God, what was it? It was something Trio. But yeah, the Trio was the phone to have, mm-hmm. like or the one that, with the little keys. Yeah. And the little typewriter Ka- keyboard. And uh, which one was a big one, too? Like, the sidekick was a big one Yeah, for the a sidekick while too. was big. But that was more for, like, kid, the, yeah. the younger kids. But, like, if you were in business and shit, mm. you either had a BlackBerry or a Trio. Yeah, and the I had, Trio I had was good. Oh, it was the Palm. The Palm 1 Trio. Mm. And you could get the Windows version. And the Windows version was, uh, the, it was just the software. But the software on the Windows version was cooler because the graphics and stuff was better mm. on the Windows version than it was the Palm version. Yeah. But the Palm version was like more stable. So it was kind of like Apple and Droid, you know, or that or that whole thing, you know, or Apple and PC. Yeah. Like the Palm one was not as graphically graphically enhanced, but it was a better, more stable uh uh software environment on mm-hmm. the Palm. But I got the Windows version and so like but I remember like being there and like all the photographers had a freaking iPhone. I'm thinking like, <laughs> damn, I'm like a dinosaur with my old trio, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I was still like so like anti-Mac, you know what I mean? I was a total, like, I started out with Microsoft DOS 6.0. Oh, shit. Yeah, that was my first operating yeah. system, dude. I remember when, when Windows 3.0 came out and 3.1 uh, came out, and the way you used to do it was, you know, I remember when I remember upgrading from DOS 6.0 to the last DOS version, which I still own it on 3.5 floppy or the old 522, mm-hmm. Is the uh, I bet you just lost so many people. They have no yeah, idea yeah, what a floppy no idea is. what I'm talking about. They have no yeah. idea what a floppy disk. Yeah, is. and so like the old big really floppy disk, mm-hmm. and then the smaller 3.5, which is a hard disk. Yeah, came out. But um, so you used to you used to have to boot your computer up. Like people have no idea what I'm talking about yeah. unless you know this. <laughs> you used to have to boot your computer up in DOS, mm-hmm. so it run to a C prompt. So you would turn your computer on and it would come on and it would run to a C prompt and then you loaded Windows in on top. So Windows 3.0 was loaded in on top of DOS. Mm-hmm. So after you got to a C prompt, you would type like, God, I don't even remember what the command was. It was like C uh, colon backs, uh, backslash backslash dot W-I-N. Mm-hmm. And then that would 
load windows but you loaded everything in dos per command so everything was dos based so you loaded everything up like every like if you had a game like Mm -hmm. say you had doom like you could have doom so it was a dos based it wasn't on windows you loaded it into dos Mm -hmm. so if you wanted to load the game you would type in the c prompt and then doom d-o-o-m and and doom would start and then you would type in kill doom you know or whatever and it would kill the doom and then you could load into windows yeah it was a whole different like things are so easy (laughs) now doesn't it kind of piss you off though by like the younger crowd now where they get pissed off because a game takes more than 10 seconds to to load load? yeah dude our phones now have more computer power you know big old block oh of course yeah (laughs) and uh the funny thing is is like oh what was i gonna say i was gonna say something about like computers at that time man it's like oh we thought it was like rocket science you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like we thought it was so far out there you know what i mean and like when you start talking about dos and all this old computer stuff i mean people like if you didn't experience you just you have no idea. Like you have, if you're a kid now, you got in on the gravy train. Oh my God, yes. Of of what computers was. Oh, I know what I was gonna say. Like, I remember like Windows. Like when Windows ninety five came out, mm-hmm. like it was Windows 3.0, 3.1, and then it went to ninety five. I remember when I bought Windows ninety five, and I took, I you had to go in and erase three point one or do the upgrade. But I bought I bought the full version, so you had to like format your disk Mm -hmm. i remember like windows would crash on me dude like every six months Mm -hmm. and i would sit there and it usually would happen in the evening and i would start working on trying to get my computer back up and it would literally take me sometimes 24 (laughs) hours you know what i mean my computer would crash and it would take me 24 hours to get it fixed again and a lot of times that was formatting your drive having everything backed up formatting your drive and loading everything again from scratch. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, you just have no idea. And nowadays, dude. just things, no one idea. click of a button and it's right back to where Dude, it was. I remember loading DOS one time. I remember trying to load DOS and it hung up in the middle of the, the load. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing you can do. It's hung. <laughs> That's your operating system. So you can't like, for, you know what I mean? So I had to learn how to format a disk, yeah. you know, from scratch. Yeah, it was crazy. Like, but it, but it was a lot more technical back then. Yeah. You felt like a, you felt like you were a lot smarter because you really knew how it was running and stuff. Now it's kind of like a mechanic. Into, yeah. yeah. Nowadays, take it into geek school. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, you know, if somebody if something goes wrong, you just take and get it yeah. fixed. Now, but exactly. back in that those days, there wasn't no place to, if you didn't fix it, it was broke. There wasn't no place to get it fixed. Yeah, but if you ask most of the kids nowadays what AOL is, they have no idea. They don't know what DSL is. Dude, I remember when I first got. When I first got a computer, like in my old Hayes modem, I remember my old Hayes 20, 1200 baud modem. I paid like $1,200 for that thing mm-hmm. for a modem. Yeah. For the modem, dude. Expensive. And so you could, you could dial in. And at that time, there was no internet. Mm-hmm. It was called BB, BB, uh, BBS systems, mm-hmm. which, de- which did for BB bulletin board systems. Mm-hmm. So you would dial into this rudimentary now, like a bulletin board. So it was kind of like a forum. And you could put ads on there or people would have forums on there or, you know, there was like some adult stuff on there <laughs> where, you know, you could like yeah. go in and there would be like, a, it would, they would like host all these dirty pictures and stuff. And it was a very weird deal compared to what we have now. You know yeah. what I mean? With like uh porn tube and all the shit you have now all over so the internet. Much. There's so much. Yeah. Like there was nothing, dude. You ever actually and, typed in like fucking uh porno tube instead of like YouTube? Just like, oh shit. <laughs> I can't say I've had that no, problem. It'll happen. <laughs> It'll happen. 
<laughs> You're giving yourself away there, Jose. It happens, man. <laughs> I just mess with but anyway, uh, yeah. So like, um, it was before the internet, and so mm-hmm. the first internet, which was called is called an ISP, Internet Service yeah. Provider, I had was Prodigy, and so I had there was Compcat or Com CompuServe mm-hmm. and Prodigy, and I went with Prodigy. I wasn't a fan of CompuServe. And then, um, so I had Prodigy for about a year, I think. Yeah. And then in like 1995, you started hearing the rumblings about this thing called America Online. And I remember I got a disc and, uh, I had my computer and like, they just sent them to people. Like nobody had a computer, Yeah, they but sent they, them just came the in, they just came in the mail. Yeah. And I remember getting in it and being so excited, yeah. dude, and running in there and throwing that thing in the computer and loading it. And it was on a 3.5 floppy disk. I think disc. that was brilliant marketing by them, man. Brilliant marketing, it's, dude. It's free for everyone, but the free disk, everyone had to pay after like the trial was over. And so it was one of those things where I'm a loyal customer, you know what I mean? Like mm. when I, when I like something, that's my, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm team that, team you know what AOL. I mean? So I, and I was team prodigy. You know what I mean? I was totally team prodigy. And I thought like AOL is like, oh, that's going to be for douchebags. You know, it's going to be for AOL is going to be for people that can't understand how to operate and how to load their own operate. You know what I mean? Because I was like, I was above that, dude. This was supposed to be just stick in and load. I can know I can I can go through my command prompts to load software. I don't need no, you know, just stick it in Mm -hmm. and make it work stuff. Dude, I loaded AOL. Addicted, bro addicted i think once i got it up and working i think i probably sat there 12 hours bro in front of my computer i was addicted i literally got addicted to it man like i would get up in the morning and like the first place i would go was my computer i would get up and you know i wouldn't go get coffee i'd go right into my office in the house sit down and hit my and you had to dial in Mm-hmm. There's a whole different you have to deal. Take it off your phone, plug yep. it into the computer. Can't plug it. And I, I had I had a switch, a switchboard, mm-hmm. so I didn't have to do that. So I could just I had two lines, one yeah. for the phone and one for the internet, and my modem was hooked to the to the phone basically. Mm-hmm. It was a block. Yeah. And uh, but I'd hit that that uh, sign in for AOL, and it'd go. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Sign in. Welcome. You uh, got well, mail. Yeah. <laughs> AOL would go. Welcome. You've got mail. And you should be so excited. <laughs> You're so like, excited. Yes. I've got, got mail. All right. Where did the mail come from? And it would be all a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, like, just a bunch of spam. Yeah, a bunch of spam. It'd be like, uh, it would be like freaking like um, coupons for like mm-hmm. Furs Cafeteria or for, you know, like uh, uh, like chilies or, you know, yeah. something like that. You'd I think be so excited. AOL was really like a game changer. That's, I think oh, that's when social deep. media. It was and the, getting up there. The thing that was the real game changer with AOL and what and what blew Yahoo up was the chat rooms. Yeah, the, the chat rooms were totally porno, dude. Oh, it was yeah, porno, dude. porno, 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 man. ASL all yeah, the time, yeah, man. Yeah, it was age, crazy. sex, age location. location. Yeah, it was like there were so many people like in there in these little fantasy rooms because yep. they had this adult section mm-hmm. in AOL. Like you, you know, they had their regular rooms like. People that like gourmet coffee yeah, and stuff like that, you know like what I mean? Sections and yeah, stuff. and then there would be like, uh, there would be sections like couples who like gang bangs. You're like, what? <laughs> what is that? that? I gotta check that out. Yeah, you go and in there and they'd be like, it was raunchy, crazy, man. raunchy, dude. And then Yahoo came out with their chat, and it was just as raunchy. And then they came yeah. out with their, they had Yahoo these, Messenger, and then AOL came out with AIM. Yeah, AOL that AIM. Messenger. Yeah, so it was crazy. But then it just. Like everything else, it just kind of died out. It was and weird. Then MySpace came along. MySpace, yeah, and my, just took over. Over, dude. Two thousand three, two thousand four was my introduction to MySpace. Two thousand four, and I got a. I actually got an email in mm-hmm. my AOL asking me if I wanted to be a beta tester for MySpace. Mm-hmm. And so at that time, it wasn't open to the public, and 
excuse me, I kind of was working in the music scene as a photographer in Dallas. And so I guess that's how I ended up uh, getting an invitation to be a beta tester for MySpace. Mm -hmm. And what a lot of people don't know about the original MySpace is it was geared for the music industry. Mm -hmm. It didn't start out like Facebook. Like Facebook started out for a college, for, for Harvard, to get people connected. Yeah. And MySpace originally started out as a thing yeah. to promote your your music your music and for musicians. So you either had to be a musician or you had to be in the music industry to actually use my, the original old MySpace. And I got an invitation to be a beta tester. And I wasn't even sure that I was qualified to be a beta tester, but I thought, well, that sounds cool. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. So I got, I got in at the very beginning and then it didn't take me long because I was learning web design and mm -hmm. I'd learned HTML like old. So you know the code. Yeah. I knew how to write. Yourself. I still, I've forgotten a lot, but I still know all the basic uh, commands and stuff to write basic HTML mm -hmm. and, um, and some PHP language. I can, I can move my way around a little bit, uh, but I'm not, uh, I'm far in PHP as mm -hmm. far as uh, HTML. I can pretty much, I can put a page up in HTML. And um, so um, I was learning HTML and I was learning it all on my own through books I was reading and stuff and just programming using Notepad mm -hmm. at the time. And um, I was like, wow, this is, this is really cool. And then I, it dawned on me, it, it was open source mm -hmm. and you could change Everything. anything in the page. Yeah. So I was like, "Whoa, dude! This is amazing!" So I went in and basically wrote. I I had I had um, a template mm -hmm. for my websites that I was doing at the time, and I had a template. And basically, all I did was go in and copy paste code. I copied my code from my template for a website, mm -hmm. went in and pasted it in my MySpace, and it brought up a full freaking web page. I was like, "Holy shit!" This yeah. is amazing, but it didn't look right because it needed a banner. So yeah. I went in and I set a banner. I set the dimensions for the banner. I remember it taking me like two or three hours dude, to figure out exactly what size yeah. I wanted the banner to be because I'd make it too big or make it too small. Mm -hmm. And it was finding that happy medium, which is about what a Facebook banner is now. And so my, so the Facebook page you have now looks a whole lot like my like, old MySpace yeah. page did, except the only difference was is you could have a background mm -hmm. on the old MySpace. On the yeah, on the back. Yeah. So I had a whole background. You can change the color of the font. And you all could that change stuff. the color of the font. No, I had a whole picture mm -hmm. that said RAV photography. So on each side going up and down, like on one side it said RAV photography, on the other side, and I, I don't use photography anymore in my name, but originally mm -hmm. it was RAV photos, RAV photography. Yeah. And so, and it would scroll up in the middle of that and the back picture would never move. Yeah, I wish I had like a, you know, they used to have that uh, throwback thing mm -hmm. that you could find like websites and stuff. But oh, I know. I, and then they completely changed MySpace now. It's oh, it's all, a whole different thing. Yeah. Well, Justin Timberlake bought a big portion of, portion it, of it, I think like 40% or mm -hmm. whatever. So they did a whole revamp on it. And I got, I was a beta tester for the new one mm -hmm. too. But I, think I was, I was really excited. Yeah, I think I sent yeah, you. Yeah, I sent yeah. you. it. Yeah. I was, I was the one that was trying to get everybody in. I sent you your yeah. your invite because if you're a beta tester, you could invite people mm -hmm. to get on to the new MySpace. And, and so uh, I actually, I got mine. I can't remember who I got mine through. But so, um, yeah, I got on there and I was really excited about it. But it's just, it's not as user friendly, dude. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, Facebook has a thing that they went in and they uh, trademarked or copyrighted their timeline, mm -hmm. which basically they stole from MySpace. 
Yeah, and I think uh, didn't Twitter try to do use the same? They format? did. Yeah, and the, and so well, Twitter was the one that I think caused them to copyright it but you can't use their exact format anymore mm. i mean that timeline you can't use it that's why when google plus came out it's so like all over the place mm. it's because they had to figure out a way to design around so they didn't get sued yeah. by facebook you know what i mean Did you hear about the the podcasters getting sued mm. like joe rogan and adam kroll and all that mm. like um pretty much some guy i think in like uh new mexico or texas or something like that he all they do is just look for certain things that they have a copyright on or a, a patent on. And if the people are making money, like Corolla, Joe Rogan, all these big guys who are really popular, really famous and making a lot of money, I think they uh, have a copyright over some kind of like thing, like where you have your podcast like in a list form or something right. like that. And they're suing Adam Corolla. So what they're doing, they're getting all the big podcasters together to like try to kick in some money to sue back, sue this motherfucker back. Cause Adam Corolla is like, yeah, I ain't standing for this shit. If I just pay you up front, that just means you're gonna go and do it to somebody else, and keep going like that. That's how, how that's how this motherfucker's making uh money. Is it a company dude or just one dude? Doing it's just it? one guy, but he has like a bunch of lawyers and stuff like that. Does he have he's, the copyright on? He has yeah, like a copyright. Pen, he has like a pendant, uh, like a patent on like a patent pirate or some shit like that. For the, so like, the way like you a, list, the, the, the way you like set up your like podcast type thing. Oh man, you know that's the problem with that's the problem with that's one that's one of the problems with this country nowadays is everything is so advanced. But everybody's so sue happy, bro. I mean, yeah, that's ridiculous, it, man. man. Any, like you have got to like, I mean, and you know, like you do something, but you don't even have any idea. Like there's a whole thing about Amazon. You know what Amazon just did? Hmm. Like they trademarked the white background for photography. Really? Yeah. They trademarked it. Absolutely insane. How the hell is that even legal? People have been using white photographers have been using white backgrounds since photography. Yeah, that's became, a common. Yeah, thing. That's one of the most common backgrounds is white. Now, on Amazon's defense, like like literally, photographers went ape shit over this like overnight. Mm -hmm. Like we had a big discussion in it in Photo Junkie and stuff, and uh, and people like photographers were losing their mind over it. But to Amazon's defense, once you read the details of it, it doesn't sound near as bad as what we originally thought. What it is is. They have a uniform way that they want the light set up for people to shoot their products that's going to be listed on their website. Oh. So they have a lot of freelance photographers or a lot of photographers that they use, mm -hmm. and they want everything to be uniform. So there's not different shadows, you know, mm -hmm. so everything looks the same. So that's basically what it boiled down to. But the only way they could do that was to get a trademark with a white background. Mm -hmm. But the flip side of that, if Amazon wanted to sue you probably for using their white, white they uh, probably like could, white background, they, they probably could, could try to come after you and it would be something that yeah. they may not even win in court. But do you got as much, do you have enough money to They're, fight Amazon yeah, they in have court? Billions of dollars, they have billions man. of dollars. They just yeah. opened up another site too, or I think it's like a uh, beta version or something where it's a uh, Amazon supply where it's all wholesale stuff, oh. just everything wholesale. So like. So you're, like, they're cutting yeah. out the middleman for yeah. all of these distributorship stuff that you'd have yeah. to get a distributorship. So pretty much you can for. get like just cases of drinks or cases oh, of stuff. Wow. I'll have to stuff. check that out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to plug. I want to plug photojunkie.com because yeah, that's a it. site that I've just like uh, I've just become involved with. I feel bad because uh, I haven't kept up my end of the bargain on that thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I was brought in as kind of a partner into Photo Junkie because I have the Photo Junkie. Yeah. Facebook page. I'll put the site and all that yeah, stuff in the but description. You can go to photojunkie.com and it's a brand new site. 
Uh, my partner's up in Canada. He's going to be relocating, hopefully, to San Diego so we can really get this thing up in Jenin. We're going to be doing product reviews. Uh, with your help, Jose, hopefully. I hope yeah. I can get a podcast up and running for Photo Junkie. Just let me know when, We're going to be doing some equipment reviews, uh, some behind the scenes, some educational mm -hmm. stuff, uh, interviewing other photographers, you know, bringing other people on. We're going to be looking at, you know, there's other things out there like Creative Live and uh, F-Stoppers and stuff mm -hmm. like that that really go after a market of photographers of the very top echelon like Chase Jarvis mm -hmm. and... And all of these guys that are way up in the top. and But I want to bring in just everybody. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. if you're just starting out as a photographer, but you've had a couple of good gigs, I want to, you know, hear how you did it. You yeah. know what I mean? I have and hear plenty what of photographer doing. friends. I'll exactly. So I want, to, I want to be doing something like that and, you know, uh, some equipment reviews and uh, do some behind the scenes photography, um, educational stuff. Um, you know, so that's what we're looking at doing with Photo Junkie and hopefully the Photo Junkie podcast. Yeah. What's uh, your website so people can find your work? My website is ravholly.com. That's R-A-V-H-O-L-L-Y.com. Just like the Toyota. Yeah. The RAV4. <laughs> well, I was RAV first. <laughs> I should have I should have trademarked that and sued them. But now yeah, they've right, trademarked right. it. So oh, well. I just kind of <laughs> tiptoe around it now. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, we're coming up on like two hours, so we'll probably end it right now. But yeah, right, definitely, bro. guys, check out Photo Junkie. Tech, check out RevHolly.com. You guys will love his work. It's amazing stuff. If you guys want some pictures taken, hit him up. Just really, really great stuff. Thanks uh, for no, having man. me, Jose. I yeah, appreciate it. being man. on. Hopefully, you can be back again. For sure, bro. Anytime, again, man. man. All right, well, love you, bitches. Peace out. Peace out.